What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It is I, your host, as always, coming through, Adam Perez, once again with a brand new episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, Power Rangers, television, movie, news, right here over on our YouTube page, going live for you guys today over on YouTube, as well as Facebook, also including Twitter today. We're actually streaming live over on Twitter, guys. So from wherever across the social media you certainly are, definitely go ahead and show us some love and definitely join us today. So thank you very much, guys, for spending your weekend here with us as we go ahead and wrap up this week's worth of news, guys, and keep you guys certainly posted on in regards to everything that certainly dropped. We got six topics for you guys today that we're going to be diving into, along with uh, some honorable mentions and, of course, your live viewer questions towards the end of this channel. Uh, before that, towards the end of this particular stream, guys. So, thank you very much for everybody certainly coming through. Uh, I've got my coffee here. I certainly hope you guys are ready to sit back, relax. Kick your feet up uh, and enjoy this weekend's show. Uh, even though we don't necessarily have a full crew here this week, uh, it is, in fact, me and good old Stuart Branscombe back once again. What's up, Stu? Good to see you, man. How you been, buddy? Hey, I've had a pretty chill week for the most part. How have you been? Nice. Uh, not too bad, man. It's uh, coming through today. Uh, this has been a pretty good weekend. Um, the girlfriend just decided to start going back to um, got a, like a part-time job here. Uh, so she's actually been working this weekend. So it's been me uh, taking care of Little Man. Uh, little Man's actually at his grandmother's at the moment. But once I'm done with this show, I'll probably more than likely go ahead and uh, pick him up right after this. Um, but overall, it's been a pretty good weekend, man. I'm getting myself ready for San Diego Comic-Con here in a couple of weeks um not going unfortunately i do have a friend michael that's certainly going but i'm not going i'm just going to go ahead and get ready to prep uh, for a ton of content that we certainly have coming our way man but um we were supposed to have indy on here with us today um but it's actually his daughter's birthday and i believe he's going to be attempting uh to try and spend it with her so he's not going to be joining us today but give uh, indy some shout out for being a a great father ladies and gentlemen and um it's just going to be you and me Stuart, holding down the fort man we've done this before it shouldn't be any problems today right oh not at all uh i think we definitely got this oh most definitely man let's go ahead and give some people some shout outs uh to everybody that's certainly decided to uh join us here this morning we got marcelino vasquez certainly in the house good old francois is here also uh adam perea certainly coming through uh, the most talented man in the world is here as well. We also got Chris Crossman here in the house. Uh, Jackson Peterson gracing us with his presence today. Good old Jericho Gonzalez. Uh, Carlo Bernardo is here. Michael Rimes. Uh, who else we got? We got uh, Kurt Marino in the house along with Carter Matthews. Good old Tarek the Mofo Knight certainly coming through. Uh, we got Danny in here. Abase certainly joining us. Good old Nicole Robertson, always feeling fa fabulously well. Uh, we certainly are over here also, so thank you very much. Uh, Roberto certainly in the house. Mr. John Schuyler uh, certainly joining us today. Good old – hey, we got another Stuart in the house. Stuart, what's up, Stuart? Good to see you, man. Yeah. Uh, Jack Daniels, because it's uh, 5 o'clock somewhere. Is it true Power Rangers Dino Fury is coming? I saw on YouTube. I don't know the release date, but I do know that there are a bunch of spoilers certainly out right now. We'll definitely talk about that here in a little bit. Morgan Hutchinson. What's up, Morgan? Good to certainly see you. Uh, we got Datilla in the house. Uh, and good old Adrian Perez. I'm pretty sure he's another cousin of mine from some part of the family, for all I know. And uh, Marcelino's giving uh, some birthday wishes to Indy's daughter. Well, happy birthday to uh, Indy's daughter, man. So uh, hope hopefully they have a fantastic day today. Um, 
So yeah, guys, uh, we got a bunch of live viewer questions already. So if you haven't submitted your questions in, uh, feel free to go ahead and do so right now. Uh, looking at the email, Stuart, I'm looking at like 30 emails already, buddy. Uh, at least 30 emails. And we, and mind you, we cleared all the emails last week also on this show. So this isn't like going back any further, to certainly say the least. But they don't stop coming in. They don't they stop don't, coming. <laughs> yeah, they don't stop coming, man. Uh, let's see here. Before we get into our main topics today, um, if anything, you know how we do around here. Honorable mentions, guys. Honorable mentions. Some topics that unfortunately maybe did not make the cut, but we personally felt that you should certainly know about before we get into our main topics. Stuart, you got any um, honorable mentions you want to tackle today? Um, I got the one that I'm pretty sure everyone's going to see coming, which is, of course, Clerks 3. The trailer came out, and uh, it's everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it uh, it looks like, once again, kind of Kevin Smith is going for a more kind of uh, based on real on a real story type of movie, very similar to how he did it with uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yes. How, like, he kind of, like, got a lot more personal with that movie because he based it because, uh, you know, he, he had his daughter in it, and he had, like, you know, jay trying to learn to be a dad and you know there was just a lot of uh, uh things that you know you could tell he put from his own life into it and now looking at clerks three we can see that same exact thing happening with uh the main character randall who like gets a heart attack nearly dies and then kind of like looks back on his life with uh some re regret so uh you know and it looks absolutely awesome because of that um it feels the the trailer itself feels very early 2000s uh with, with uh, the way it's edited and yeah. i don't know if that was intentional or not but from the music selection and then just kind of like uh the constant uh you know something happens then a joke and the and the music slows <laughs> or you know the music quiets down for the punchline of the joke and then you know ramps back up like yeah it feels very early 2000s-esque and i love it uh, how old are these characters supposed to be do you know Stuart? I'm at this age? Uh, I believe they're like mid-40s at this point. Probably, I wouldn't doubt, early 50s. Okay, yeah, I was kind of curious because I feel like they're – I feel like as I've grown up with the Clerks movie, they've almost kind of grown up with me at the same time. Like I do feel like sometimes the themes that they certainly have, I feel like as we get older, we can easily reflect and like um, just immediately attach ourselves to these characters. And I think that's what I absolutely love about – the clerks franchise it just seemed like everyday dudes right that go through the same things that we might have grown up or uh in our own particular life just with a bunch of extra weed that we you know um <laughs> but uh they seem like they have a blast man and i can't wait to see what kevin smith is going to do with this like considering that this is certainly a project of his that is he's so incredibly fond of and been attached to for such a long time um i, I gotta think that this is probably going to be his most personal at least one of his more personal stories uh that we've seen him uh certainly told and i saw this photo too because i, I it's always cool for me to kind of see the characters grow over the years and I remember this photo taken from the entire crew from Clerks 2, and then they also have one as they've gotten older for Clerks 3. For me, it's always just fun to kind of see the passage of time and to really see like where these characters have gone as they've managed to find themselves literally right where they started off at uh, in the very first Clerks. I do wonder if – I can't remember if the trailer, if they had any black and white moments in this Clerks 3 film, but I believe from the trail, I believe I did see a, a couple images. Am I wrong in that? 
Uh, so the way it's going to kind of work is that the movie is being filmed in black and white that they're shooting within the movie. So ah, uh, whenever gotcha. we're looking into like the camera lens, essentially, whenever we're seeing the point of view of the actual movie that uh, Randall's trying to make, then it's in uh, black and white. It's, in black and white. it's a really interesting sort of full circle here um, in regards to Randall's movie. Um, so I, I, I really want to see how this turns out, man. I I, I, I think I'm going to love all the themes. Uh, and it's a Kevin Smith movie. So um Count me excited, bro. Count me excited. I, I just noticed in the uh, background, there's the uh, banner advertising advertising for uh, Chuli's gum from the uh, first movie. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised because like at this point, Ran uh, or not Randall, sorry, Dante owns the place. So it's weird that he would want to put an advertisement up after their, you know, salesperson was kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wonder if they'll certainly bring that up in the movie itself. But um, yeah, guys, definitely let us know your thoughts. If you had the opportunity to check out Clerks 3, uh, the trailer itself, what did you guys think? And what's your relationship with? With the Clerks franchise also, is this will in fact complete the trilogy for that movie? Definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts. A um, couple quick other honorable mentions I found pretty interesting um, this week. There were some Hawkwoman concept arts uh, that were in fact dropped. What's interesting though, Stuart, is when it comes to this concept art some people were trying to figure out exactly like what project this was certainly supposed to belong to. Um, there's really nothing attached to these uh, concept art designs. I think there were some people that mentioned this possibly could have been from a season two of Krypton uh, or season three of Krypton, I believe. Um, I can't remember if this was also suggested for maybe the Black Adam movie at some point in time uh, or even maybe I don't think Legends. I think this was probably after Legends, uh, but I kind of dig the the I kind of dig the outfit. If there is a part of me that has to make a, a suggestion as to where this concept might have fit in pretty well i can easily see krypton season three um especially with the the reach and the expansion that that season uh was that that series was certainly trying to do i mean we had lobo in season two if i'm not mistaken also i think they might have even uh tease uh the thanagarian war uh but i could be wrong in that regards but i i feel like this feels very krypton to me if you're trying to create like a hawk woman sort of uh suit um if you will but uh, what do you think this could possibly be from maybe a video game an animated movie what do you think oh, i think you're uh muted um, I think Krypton is probably the best bet. Uh, my first, obviously, the first guess I wanted to have was uh, Black Adam, but of course, mm. when you look at Hawkman, uh, Hawkman in that movie, uh, the suit designs are way too different. Way so different, I suggest right? that, yeah, to suggest that they're the same, you know, uh, or you know that it's um, the same type of armor. So I don't know. I would have to say it would have to be either Krypton or Naomi probably krypton oh naomi that would have been an interesting um that would have been an interesting twist yeah because isn't there a thanagarian in naomi yeah uh-huh yeah so probably yeah so probably one of those two is my guess i like it i like it man uh let's see here other honorable mentions that we have um good old stephen lang is back in the upcoming avatar movie yes his character did perish uh at the end of the very first one but stephen lang is back it seems as though the army is also um taking into account um using the avatars themselves and it seems as though his consciousness or somehow has been uploaded to this body uh and stephen lang who was actually my first choice to be k in the Deadpool 2 movie is in fact back to go ahead and be one of the main villains 
for Avatar 2, The Way of Water. He was such an asshole in the first movie. I, I kind of dig the idea of him, uh, of, of having him back. Like, it definitely feels like the threat level has now risen a little bit more. Because uh, I actually thought he was rather intimidating in the first one. Um, Stuart, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, and now, um, cause you know, before he's limited by his human body. Now he has a, one of the, uh, um, guy, why do I keep forgetting the name of the, uh, of the, the, uh, creatures from avatar, uh, the Navi Navi. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now with a more like, you know, uh, athletic, uh, build and, you know, in the Navi body, I'm curious if now he's going to be a physical threat too, for mm. if they're doing that. So we get a chance to see him actually physically fight the main character instead of just, you know, leading an army against the uh, main character. I'm also like, uh, kind of curious, like too, as to, um, how much, uh, how much more, uh, military force they're going to have to be fighting against because, you know, if this is a rock that is like incredibly valuable because it's like a huge power source or something like that, you know, from the first movie, you got to imagine that it wouldn't just be America kind of going after it. So I'm kind of like wondering if there's going to be like multiple armies from different, you know, nations like going after it. And, uh, you know, that's what could really lead to like just a simple one on one war to suddenly becoming like, you know, like not even world war three because this is taking place you know on two different planets so like you know beyond that like so the first like galactic war or something i don't know <laughs> oh shit that would be epic as hell uh Stuart, if you ask me man i really like the the concept and the idea of that um like not just america but now you got like say russia and china whoever else like um wanting to get in a piece on the action as to what's um being built out there um and all just that land and stuff yeah i can i can definitely see something like that i don't know if that's their plan for say like a uh number two or three but i mean just the expansion of how many sequels we certainly have when it comes to avatar um yeah man you, you certainly never know bro so i kind of dig that idea um and then last but not least in regard oh well, well two more things real quick uh for you guys star wars fans um, believe it or not, um, the recent announcement that we just had at Star Wars Celebration for the upcoming Star Wars Skeleton Crew show, um, the live action series that's going to be brought to us from John Watts, the uh, the director from the Spider-Man trilogy as of recently. Uh, we just got news that filming has apparently begun for this. Um, comicbook.com later on uh, earlier this week uh, announced that um, uh, filming uh, started actually at the end of June, uh, which was the expected production timeline. Uh, it says it's reportedly filming at the Manhattan Beach Studios, where the Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, and Book of Boba Fett all filmed their season. Um, it says Ahsoka is currently in production in that location as well, um, but it does look as though the John Watts-led Star Wars skeleton crew is in production, Stuart, and that, um, that does bring me a ton of joy, man. This That's actually a lot sooner than I than I personally even expected uh, for it to be in front of the cameras. Does, does that surprise you too? Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be another one of those shows that are like in production, but then we don't hear about it for another four or five years. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, seeing that it's actually happening is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, what uh, did they mention? What the timeline was for this series? Uh, as far as like when it's um oh like the time period in which it takes place. Yeah. Uh. I can't remember off the top of my head. I might have to go ahead and do some extra research in regards to that. Something tells me something tells me after Return of the Jedi, but I could be wrong in that regards. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to do some research. 
Um, and then last but not least, while you look that up, Stuart, to try and figure out exactly where which the time period is for Skeleton Crew, last but not least for you Power Ranger fans, while Dino Fury, the second half of season two, has not officially dropped on Netflix as of yet, at least not that I'm aware of in regards to any big announcements that have happened, one of the things that has recently been announced is that Mexico apparently is getting these episodes early. We officially have ourselves international spoilers for the last half of season two of Dino Fury. So um, just a fair warning. If you guys do want to avoid Power Rangers spoilers, please do as much ducking and dodging as you possibly can over on Twitter. If you got to mute some hashtags, Dino Fury spoilers, whatever the case may be. I've already been spoiled by like one thing so far. Uh, and I think maybe two things. I think Jinsaku just made a tweet about something that I accidentally ran across. And I'm like, man, am I going to have to start muting people? I really don't want to have to start muting people. If they're going to just be spoiling Power Rangers like that. But um, I think uh, if if it's the tweet that you're talking about, I think if that is true, there's kind of a, uh, a small continuity error then within Dino Fury because of a one-off line. Uh, I'll tell you after the show because I don't want to like, you know, spoil it for everyone. It was just in regards yeah. to, it was in regards to, um, he mentioned something about beast morphers and um and it, it just kind of um i'm like up oh, sorry jinsaku i'm gonna have to scroll past this tweet i didn't read it fully but, oh um, never mind then oh some so see something else so yeah guys <laughs> there's a bunch of spoilers out there right now for everybody if you do want to go ahead and um uh, catch up catch up on dino fury the second half of season two you got plenty of information out there for you guys but for us here i, I try to do my best to certainly be as spoiler free as possible once the episode drops, we'll definitely bring you our reviews for Dino Fury, the second half of season two. But until then, I definitely will be avoiding spoilers. But international spoilers are definitely there. And if anything, I will say this. I do think once we get into, say, the original series on Netflix of Power Rangers, um, then I don't believe we'll certainly have to worry about international spoilers so much. I think right now there's probably maybe additional licensing um contracts that are certainly out there for some people you know certain channels internationally to go ahead and show uh these episodes before netflix gets the opportunity to do so so i think there's probably anything maybe licensing contracts that are probably causing this that have already been into motion for quite some time right now uh, what do you think the reason is for this though Stuart? is that you think that it's along those lines uh Probably just poor planning on their part. I don't know. <laughs> it could, be. It could yeah. certainly be that as well. Uh, I, either way, I always hate it when that happens because, yeah, I kind of like to, you know, watch it. I like watching it in HD when it's uh, out there uh, either on Netflix or just, uh, you know, if it's like if there's a website that I can watch the uh, episode on and I don't like it getting spoiled for me. So it's like uh, my only two options whenever there's like an early release is that I can either watch it on a really bad pirating site to not have it spoiler spoiled for me or I could just avoid Twitter until the episodes come out, which becomes really hard to do after a while. Yeah, no, I, I trust. I definitely understand you there, man. Um, yeah, because I had a, a gentleman, Johnny, Johnny, good old Johnny Marrero over from A Plus More Phenomenal. He used to hit us up all the time. He did ask me earlier. He says, "Do you do I think it's unfair that they get to air the final batch of episodes?" And I said, "I don't necessarily know if it's unfair." I says, "It is a little bit frustrating." something that's more annoying than something that's worth upsetting me about you know it doesn't really hit me that way it's just one of those things like dang it i wish we had kind of gotten it first so a little bit annoyed but i yeah i do, I do think that'll certainly change uh once we get more uh, original series from netflix but uh, yeah guys be aware 
be aware there are spoilers as Dino Fury season two is currently airing over in Mexico. Uh, so yeah, just to just to be on the safe side, guys. Um, and uh, other than that, I think uh, I think other than that, we should be good in regards to our honorable mentions. Uh, let's see here. Um, last minute thoughts, Stuart, before we get into it. I do think that we might go the route of live viewer questions because uh, most live viewer questions that we have, we have been having people submit them over to aplusopinions at gmail.com. I do believe that we may officially start moving them over to the community tab on our YouTube channel. Uh, on our YouTube page. Um, I would assume that on our YouTube channel, you could still get to the community page if you're not a subscriber, but I could be wrong in regards to that. I don't know if you have to necessarily be a subscriber to get to the community tab. Um, do you know uh, Do you know about that, Stuart, if you'd have to be a subscriber or not? I think you're muted again. Uh, I don't think you do, uh, but let me check. I'm going to unsubscribe to our channel and then go to no, our community tab. No, I'll subscribe right back. <laughs> uh, and unsubscribe, go to community, and yeah, I can still go into the community tab. Excellent. Okay, so let me go ahead and bring this up here for you guys. So in case you guys would like to navigate, because I think, yeah, going forward, we probably will be um, putting it over there. So if we were to share this, so if you go over to our channel, sometime, it's, at some point in time, it will load up for me. Um, there you go. Community tab right there in the middle. Uh, and then throughout the week, if anything, um, maybe in the middle of the week, maybe that Friday or Saturday, we'll go ahead and get uh, something posted for you guys. Might just be an image for live viewer questions um, to go ahead and give you guys the all clear to start submitting your questions in. So um, if anything, we'll definitely go ahead and post that throughout the uh, week for you guys. Uh, and if anything, you should be all right. So again, going to the A Plus Hero Report YouTube page, click on the community tab, uh, and there definitely will be a post for you guys there to submit your questions. Uh, and then if anything, Stuart, we could just go ahead and pull them up uh, and just go through all of them just like this. Um, and then also real quick to give you guys a heads up, we did just recently have a poll uh, for you guys who did not or who might have had the opportunity to check out um, Thor Love and Thunder this week. Uh, first and foremost, Indy did go ahead and put up a non-spoiler review for Thor Love and Thunder. It is up on our YouTube page if you want to go ahead and certainly check it out for yourself. If anything, we probably will be having a spoiler discussion video. Uh, if not later on this week, then definitely next weekend as we certainly go ahead and dive into Thor Love and Thunder. I personally have not had the opportunity to see it as of yet, um, but I know plenty of you have certainly done so. So uh, as of yesterday, we did ask you guys, what would you grade Thor Love and Thunder right now? Uh, a plus, A, B, C, or D. Uh, and right now, pretty favorable uh, in regards to what you guys thought about Thor Love and Thunder coming in at A out of 20 votes, mind you, out of 20 votes. Uh, it looks like 10 of you guys have, in fact, chosen A plus. So you guys definitely have it above that 95 mark for sure, giving uh, Thor Love and Thunder an A plus. After that, it seems as though A and B uh, taking home the uh, taking home the prizes there as well. So um, pretty favorable uh, in your guys's eyes. What did you think about it, Stuart, in general? 
uh personally i thought it was it's personally my new favorite thor movie i think like this is one of those movies where it feels like uh, i was the only target audience for it like everything that i wanted to see in this uh, thor movie was there so i got pretty much everything i was expecting and everything that i kind of wanted and uh yeah i pretty much enjoyed it and i was kind of surprised because afterwards so it was like kind of a staff screening that i went to for our, our movie theater like i was just kind of like saying man that's got to be my new favorite thor movie what do you guys think of it and a lot of them were just kind of like Mm-hmm. it was okay so <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's safe to say i might be like kind of in the minority on this but uh, i personally loved love and thunder well I- i'll definitely have to go ahead and check it out for myself this week man um if anything um uh, hopefully maybe on tuesday or maybe in later in the week i'll finally get the opportunity to certainly check it out you know i will say this being a dad has definitely just made it so much more difficult to get to the movies like i used to man uh it really just takes up so much time uh and you know even though my girlfriend tells me all the time like babe it's okay you can go to the movies without me i feel like a jerk man i feel like a jerk like i don't mind going to the movies alone but i just feel like now that you know with me being in a relationship and me being a dad it's just if i feel i feel alone and naked without uh my partner to go ahead and watch a movie with me man you know what you, you know what you can do though uh, as soon as your kid gets a little bit older old enough to like appreciate movies then you get to uh you know take your kid to the movies all the time as an excuse to like go to the movies <laughs> i guess that's true too uh maybe when he starts getting like 12 or 13 maybe i'll start like pushing the envelope and what movies i could certainly take him to uh you know i think my uncle probably did that for me when i was a kid uh maybe around 12 13 like i felt like i was i saw movies i probably shouldn't have at the time like blair witch project uh, I remember seeing like Devil's Advocate with him and stuff, the Keanu Reeves movie. Um, so definitely some questionable decisions <laughs> in regards mm-hmm. to going to movies at such a young age. I feel like everyone has that one cool uncle that did that for them. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, all right, guys. Uh, with honorable mentions certainly out of the way, I think it's time, Stuart, to go ahead and dive into our main topics today. Are you ready to go ahead and get into this with me, man? always let's do this brother um all right our first topic we're gonna go ahead and start right off with some marvel content we actually have quite a few topics from marvel uh to hit you guys with today so it certainly should be a great show as we kick off with our six topics today uh so we'll dive right into the world of the mcu as development for the upcoming Anthony Mackie-led Captain America 4 film certainly continues. Uh, You know, Stuart, there's been a lot of rumblings with the announcement of Captain America 4. People wanting to know whether or not Chris Evans was going to come back. Is he going to take up the mantle as Captain America once again? uh, Chris Evans this week did certainly come out and say, listen, Sam Wilson is Captain America now. Good old Anthony Mackie, as we saw in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, is now picking up the mantle. He's got himself a brand new costume, uh, just rocking the shield incredibly well. And if you ask me, Stuart, I think they did a fantastic job in this series of really laying the groundwork as to why Sam is truly the best next man up for being Captain America. And after watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was completely sold on the idea of Anthony Mackie leading his own film. And that's exactly what we certainly have. And while development has been quite slow as of late in regards to announcements, this past week, we finally got introduced as to who the director of Captain America 4 is certainly going to be. So let's go ahead and dive into this article store and just talk a little bit more about this upcoming 
film that we have here. Um, so this actually comes to us from Hollywood Reporter. Letting us know that Captain America 4 finds its director and filmmaker Julius Ona. And if you could go ahead and pull up some of his uh, previous work, Stuart, that would be great. Um, it says Anthony Mackie stars in the feature, which hails from the Falcon and Winter Soldier head writer Malcolm Spellman. So if you were a big fans of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the writer for that series will be writing for this film also. Captain America 4 has a director, Nigerian-American filmmaker Julius Ona, perhaps best known for helming the 2018 thriller The Cloverfield Paradox, will direct the fourth installment of the Captain America film franchise from Marvel Studios. Anthony Mackie is starring in the feature, uh, reprising his longtime Marvel character of Sam Wilson, but not, however, Wilson's longtime alter ego and Captain America sidekick Falcon. That is thanks to the events of the 2021 series Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which saw Wilson, after much self-doubt, finally accept the shield and mantle of Captain America. It is not known what the path of the character will be next, but something thought-provoking is likely. Uh, Malcolm Spellman, the creator and head writer of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is penning the script. Um, as well. It says it is unclear whether Chris Evans would reprise his role as Steve Rogers. Um, although if the question of who is entitled to carry the shield continues to be posed, all bets are off. Plus having stack cast and solo movie outings is a main Marvel ingredient at this point. Uh, there is no start date as of yet to go ahead and be in front of the cameras, um, but they have in fact locked them up. If you are interested in finding out a little bit more about Julius Ona, it says that J.J. Abrams tapped him to direct a feature set in the producer's Cloverfield world. And while that studio movie was a misfire, he gained strong notices for his return to his roots rebound in the 2019 indie drama uh, was that Luce? Lucy? Um, the neon movie starred Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, Calvin Harrison Jr., and others. Octa Octavia Spencer also back in 2019. Um, so that movie, Luce, is definitely uh, on my radar to certainly go ahead and check out and see exactly what Julius Ona is certainly going to bring. Because if I could be completely honest with you, Stuart, the, when they announced that this guy was from um, – Cloverfield Paradox. I think I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I was like, oh, 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 God. I, I, I try, I try and forget that movie as much as I possibly can. It was, yeah, it just, it just did not do anything for me, unfortunately. But I definitely base that more on the writing and the script than I do the director. But as a director, it does sort of land on your lap uh, to go ahead and put these movies together. When it comes to movies, it's usually if things fail, the director that probably will most likely certainly get the blame. Uh, but I felt visually from um, Cloverfield Paradox from a directing standpoint, uh, maybe not as bad um, as the film itself. Um, but the fact that he wind up garnering, uh, garnering praise for his next outing is definitely a, a confidence booster for me to kind of accept this guy being a part of it. And you got to think that they probably uh, passed this by Anthony, Ma Anthony Mackie first to go ahead and certainly get the green light. I, I don't know if Anthony Mackie has certainly worked with this director before, um, but I'm definitely open to certainly see what he's capable of as, uh, for a big budget film like this, especially 
clearly having worked with some amazing actors in his 2019 film Loose. I mean, there were some pretty uh, solid names on there. So um, definitely a movie I certainly want to check out also just to see what type of flair he's certainly going to bring to Captain America 4. Uh, but the development is here. Uh, we got a writer. We got a director. Uh, I would assume, if anything, we'll probably start getting casting announcements shortly after this. Maybe an idea as to when we can expect this film to be in front of the cameras. And since we do have San Diego Comic-Con right around the corner, along with D23, I definitely expect more information for this movie to certainly come out. But um, let me throw this over to you, um, Stuart. Are you familiar with Julius Ona uh, from any of his past work? What's your experience like? And now that you do see Captain America 4 coming together with the writer and now a director, um, what are your expectations? Um, so the only one, uh, that I've seen from him was Cloverfield Paradox, which I, I'll be honest, I didn't really hate as much as like a lot of other people. I just didn't think it was a uh, very good movie at all. Uh, but again, like you kind of mentioned that was more due to the uh, writing and not really the directing. Um, and then, uh, the other two movies that I can see on his IMDb that, that are, or I should say full length movies. Cause he's done a bunch of uh, shorts as well, oh, okay. but, uh, the girl in trouble is a movie that you can find on Tubi. And then loose is a movie that you can find on Hulu. Uh, Oh, it's so, on Hulu. Yeah. So if you, uh, want to check those out, which I my, might do later on. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. ass was out here trying to download the movie and shit. So I, it's right on streaming. Okay. I could go ahead and check it out. Easy. Yeah, exactly. So, um yeah overall like uh, i don't really necessarily have any excitement with uh, this announcement but i also don't have any distaste for it like uh, uh like i said like i think it was i didn't think cloverfield uh, paradox was poorly directed or anything i just think a lot of my issues came from uh the overall writing of it and we know for falcon and the winter soldier or sorry we know that for uh, captain america 4 we got the writers from cap or sorry falcon and the winter soldier uh coming into captain america 4 so i think that if it's them working together we can get like something uh pretty unique from uh from this movie so i'm i'm honestly uh not worried but i'm just like not extra excited if that makes sense yeah no i, I definitely understand you um even red is good old red is not a flavor has come through he says uh oh i thought the cloverfield paradox movie was bad um yeah. but that's good <laughs> um maybe not as 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 hateful as some other people probably thought the movie certainly was but uh like you like you agreed there's probably more script than anything um so for me it'll be really interesting to kind of see what that combination of julius and malcolm spellman are certainly going to tap into there is a part of me that when it comes to this Captain America 4 film, you know, I would like to see Chris Evans certainly return in some capacity, you know, in the comic books, at least during this time period when Sam Wilson is Captain America during the Marvel Marvel Now time period in the comic books. You know, they um, Steve Rogers, I believe, was a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in his much older form, if you will. So clearly still a part of the Marvel comic books. So I do wonder if there's a role in here for um, Steve Rogers um, to pop up at in some point or another. And honestly, just based off of what we got from Malcolm Spellman from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the introduction of Isaiah Bradley, the first Captain America, the black Captain America, I would love to see the trio of them together on screen together, seeing Sam, Isaiah, and Steve, and maybe talking a little bit more about 
um, the, the Captain America legacy and the mantle and, and certainly its importance and stuff. Because for me, what Malcolm Spellman was able to do in regards to not only tapping into societal issues, but also making it relevant today in regards to really the struggle in the mindset of Sam Wilson as to why he should pick up the mantle of Captain America. Uh, all that stuff, I just I just ate and digested and absolutely loved and would love to see that explored a little bit more. Do you think Chris Evans will pop up in this movie? Like the article states, they Marvel recently tends to like to for these solo films now include a lot more characters do, do you possibly see a chris evans appearance in here uh yeah i i would uh i, I would i would wow sorry i don't know why i am just like not fully awake today sorry you got um, your coffee yeah, I would, uh, yeah I, this is literally my second cup and i'm still like <laughs> trying to wake up uh oh um yeah sorry so anyways i was gonna say yeah i think chris evans uh is going to be in this i don't think he's going to play like a huge role but i do think like at some point you know there's going to be kind of like the uh, cliche mentorship one thing i can mm. totally see him doing also is uh you know maybe uh stepping out of retirement and taking over shield is kind of like you know nick fury is now in charge of sword so maybe uh you know chris evans in order to prevent shield from becoming what it was you know he decides to take over shield i could see them going in a uh you know direction similar to that which would be pretty cool to my opinion yeah, um i agree and, and also, I would love to just have a line where someone sees Steve Rogers and goes, oh, my gosh, it's Captain America. And he just kind of goes, actually, I go by Steve these days. And then he points to Sam and goes, that's Captain that's America. Kind of America. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like shut up all the people on Twitter that like it's, it's so weird to me that people like get this mad from like uh from like heroes that pass the mantle like you know you get people saying there's only one batman there's only one uh captain america there's only one thor when clearly it's like no these are you know there there's you could say that there's only one bruce wayne like within each individual universe fine but you know bruce wayne isn't like you know batman isn't just limited to bruce wayne he's he's you know whoever bruce wayne decides to pass the mantle to very much like captain america yeah, I love that Chris Evans definitely tried to squash that on Twitter uh, this past week also. Um, but you're right. I think when people make those type of arguments for me, I feel like it's either a case of they've become just so attached to the character over the first couple of phases of the MCU that it's hard for them to see anybody else take up the mantle, or it's just a really great showcase of who reads comic books and who doesn't, you know, like who, <laughs> yeah. who, who follows the storylines and certainly who doesn't in regards to it. Nothing wrong with that, but it definitely makes it uh, that much more uh, aware. Um, Marcelino says, were you surpri pleasantly surprised that the final fight in Falcon and the Winter Soldier wasn't a big CGI fight as well as Hawkeye? Uh, for me, no, not really. I mean, I felt like I feel like when it comes to those ground level heroes, you probably don't need much um, much CGI in them. You know what I mean? I've I've always just seen Captain America as a very much a uh, uh, hand to hand combat guy. I mean, I know that Sam Wilson now that he's got wings, he can clearly do a lot more flying, and that's a cool aspect to see involved in it. But um, I, I do appreciate the continued. Uh, groundedness of the fight sequences that we have. Yeah, it would have been really weird if suddenly he was fighting a giant kaiju monster or like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, Throwing I think the way shield. they, yeah, exactly. I think the way they did it in the show was like kind of perfect. Uh, you know, the most I could see them really going is that, yeah, they could probably have more uh, superheroes within the uh, next movie um, within Captain America 4, but I don't see it going to like, um, you know, giant, you know, cgi battles like you would see in something like shang chi or anything like that i see it still like kind of ending in a very typical spy action thriller type of way 
Yeah, I can see that. And I do wonder if this will lead into, say, another film like a Thunderbolts or if there's any connective tissues to that in here into the bigger realm of things. It feels very much like we've got so many different projects going along that some of these projects actually could be grouped together sort of like in their own events and storylines. You know what I mean? Kind of like what we had with WandaVision and Doctor Strange and things like that. So I do wonder if you can you can grab things like a Black Widow Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, you know, Hawkeye series, and even a Captain America 4 movie, uh, and, and just see like the progression of those storylines continue um, through this particular film into something much bigger. So I am kind of curious to see the um, the direction of it. Uh, and last but not least, Red is Not a Flavor says, I need that Isaiah Bradley Winter Soldier fight they hinted at in this series. Uh, put that in the film. Oh, that's right. Because that's right. I forgot. They did say that um, the Winter Soldier and um, Isaiah Bradley had a, 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 a fight at some point in time. Yeah, a cool flashback sequence. I would eat that up, man. I love me a good flashback sequence. Yeah, I would also love at some point for uh, for Steve Rogers to find out about him at uh, like during the events of this movie, because I am very curious, like if like a part of Steve would like feel really guilty about what happened and the fact that he didn't know about it. I mean, does he not know about it? Uh, well, they say in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that he doesn't because I uh, doesn't, when okay. uh, yeah, I think that's uh, when the Winter Soldier like introduces him to uh, Falcon like I don't. I think he mentions that Steve doesn't know. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch and see if I can catch that again. Because there was a part of me like, look, you know, Steve has has some secrets, man. He knew about Iron Man's parents when it comes yeah. to Winter Soldier. He didn't tell nobody. So, like, the idea of Steve knowing about Isaiah um uh, wouldn't surprise me either um but who certainly knows but um we'll see what happens guys but it seems as though when it comes to captain america 4 led by anthony mackie as sam wilson development is certainly coming along uh pre-production if anything we finally got a writer in place a director officially uh what do you guys think in regards to the director certainly name does this worry you um does it help you understand the fact that even though we've got a new writer and he's the director, maybe this combination could work a lot better than it certainly did on Cloverfield Paradox. Certainly go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Um, any other characters you would like to see pop up real quick, though, Stuart, in this movie? Mm. Do you have anybody else? Uh, I do hope uh, the Winter Soldier makes at least a small appearance in it because I really do mm. like his and uh, Sam's uh, chemistry. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Also, there's a part of me that kind of wants to see a new Falcon rise out of this, too. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie had his, uh, his his boy that was helping him out. I can't remember his name from the series, but I think he passed down his Falcon uh, suit to him, his uh, army buddy. Um, so I am wondering if he pops up in here uh, in this particular film or if they will leave this to simply just be uh, a Captain America movie. Um, so we'll definitely see. Actually, you know, it'd be kind of funny if like they end this movie uh, with the implication of a uh, season two for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But now the Falcon is, yeah, the si the sidekick from the uh, first season. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, man. I would definitely eat that up. I think that would be a really cool idea. They gave him enough screen time, I felt like, in the series to kind of hint at the idea that he could have a bigger role in either a future movie or a season two of it. So we'll see how it goes along. Um, all right, guys, before we move on to our next topic for you guys, um, let me just go ahead and get into one of these questions here. Um, shout out to uh, Mugiwara. What's up, uh, Mugi? Appreciate you coming through. Well, the Russos really make a Wolverine movie. Uh, it's because Wolverine was the hero that inspired the childhood of these directors. It would be cool to see them working with the character. Um, 
I think if the Russos are going to tackle anything, it might be an upcoming Secret Wars movie, if that's the direction that the MCU is going in. I know that they have been very open about wanting to see Chris Evans as uh, as Wolverine. Um, I personally don't know how I feel about that, but uh, I know they've hinted at the idea as to who should be cast as Wolverine, but I don't believe that that means that they're going to be directing it. Do you, Stuart? Uh, no, I, I highly doubt it, but... Um, I do think it would be pretty cool if that that was what they wanted to come back for. But it seems like they're not really missing the MCU currently. Like they're kind of liking their new position of being able to kind of like just, uh, you know, come up with, uh, you know, a cool movie and then get it instantly produced because of their names. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. They do have a new movie coming up called The Gray Man, uh, where they're going to be writing and directing it. They also have chris evans in that movie along with uh ryan goslin that i'm actually really looking forward to i want to see these two uh the, the russo brothers back on the big screen um shout out real quick to blossom for certainly coming through um she says never go to the movies without your girlfriend dude see see even blossom <laughs> agrees it's just weird for me to go by myself and good old sarav in the house he says also the guy's surname is torres that's the guy torres from uh falcon and a winter soldier um, all right, guys. Um, so from Captain America to another MCU project, let's go ahead and dive into our second topic for the day. As listen, we've actually seen the return of these two characters already, but it seems as though the momentum is certainly shifting and building now that we've gotten their returns out of the way. I'm talking about Charlie Cox as good old Matt Murdock, along with Vincent D'Onofrio. As the kingpin. Now we've seen Daredevil, or I should say Charlie Cox's uh Matt Murdock return in Spider-Man No Way Home. We also saw the return of the Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin in the most recent Hawkeye series as well. And there have already been rumors that there will be a Daredevil series, certainly in the works. But um, we may not have to necessarily wait for that Daredevil series to see these two on screen together uh, as it does seem as though we have ourselves a report that these two characters could be popping up in the upcoming echo series ladies and gentlemen so let's go ahead and dive into this real quick Stuart. um let me go ahead and get this uh share this page here this actually comes to us from the hollywood reporter also letting us know that both uh charlie cox uh and vincent d'onofrio are returning for marvel series Echo. Uh, together again for the first time, Daredevil and the Kingpin will appear in the MCU set Disney Plus series reuniting after their Netflix series ended in 2018. Uh, it says uh, Marvel Studios has some devilish plans in store for Echo, the upcoming Disney series currently filming in Atlanta. Charlie Cox and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who portrayed uh, classic Marvel Comics character Daredevil and the Kingpin, respectively, have joined the series, which stars Hawkeye breakout, uh, Aliqua, uh, Aliqua Cox as Maya Lopez. It says the move is the latest sign of Marvel Studios efforts to weave in popular characters from Netflix now defunct Marvel shows such as Daredevil into the fold. Sources say Echo will include a plot line in which Daredevil, whose alter ego is blind attorney Matt Murdock, is searching out a former ally. A podcast, The Weekly Planet, has reported that the ally, hear this, Stuart, is Jessica Jones, 
another Marvel character who top-lined her own Netflix series and was played by Kristen Ritter. If Ritter as Jones does indeed make an appearance in Echo, that would leave Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and the Punisher as the street-level crime fighters still left to be introduced into the MCU. Um... I'm trying to see if there's any other information. Per the studio, uh, Echo follows Maya Lopez as her life in New York as a gang leader catches up with her, and she returns to her own her hometown to reconnect with her Native American roots. She already has tangled with Kingpin in a fight in the Hawkeye finale after learning he was responsible for the death of her beloved uncle, William Lopez. Um, McLarenon reprises his role. Um, and the series is expected to uh, drop in 2023. So, um, yes, yeah, Stuart, it looks as though we're going to be having not only the Kingpin uh, in Vincent D'Onofrio, but also Charlie Cox as good old Matt Murdock. Uh, it's seemingly in search of Jessica Jones, of all things. And other people could seemingly maybe even pop up in this uh let me ask you as this series continues to film and be in production what do you think about the the news of um these two being in this series so far wow so uh i had seen the headlines for this but i did not know about jessica jones's uh involvement so that is a huge shock to me in in a good way um their involvement also you know it kind of seems like we might get like a reverse Superman and Lois situation in the sense of, you know, we thought like going into the show Superman and Lois that was connected to the Arrowverse, but like, you know, we didn't find out till the end of season two that it wasn't. And uh, with this, you know, like with the Netflix series, I feel like there's constantly been debates about like whether or not it's part of the MCU. And I feel like the moment that, um, the moment that the show started to get canceled and they continue to never really get acknowledged within the movies. Uh, I think that was when people just kind of accepted that the Netflix shows were never actually really part of the MCU that like kind of MCU stuff could happen within the shows, but you probably wouldn't see the shows uh, like uh, interfere, uh, like interacting with the movies at all. So, uh, you know, kind of seeing this, so it kind of makes me think that we might get like the opposite thing where like, you know, the big twist is that the Netflix shows have been in the MCU this whole time. You know, they just haven't been brought up or anything because, you know, uh, you know, mixture of production things and then just, um, you know, the fact that they're all street level. And of course, the MCU tends to go, you know, really big in scope. So you know, something like that. But I mean, regardless, uh, whether or not it's canon, it's still kind of exciting that they're bringing in all these characters from the Netflix, uh, from the Netflix shows that we all know and love. Yeah, I will say this. Um, you definitely do make some great points. I, for me, from the other side of things, though, I, I will say I, I am a little bit concerned in the sense that this is an Echo series, and I feel like it's technically turning into a Daredevil 2.0 series you know, uh, or 3.5 series. And I just hope that while I appreciate them trying to interweave these characters into it, I mean, Kingpin clearly plays a natural addition to the Echo storyline. Um, I, I hope this doesn't turn into a situation of the Book of Boba Fett, you know, where it's like, we hey, we really don't have that much story to tell for the Echo character. And so at the end of the day, we're going to try and include as much of a 
Daredevil and Kingpin and uh, Jessica Jones storyline as we possibly can in here to help bolster, you know, like maybe Echo will get her for the first three episodes. And then all of a sudden, like, like the Mandalorian 2.5, you know, Daredevil <laughs> will pop up for like the last six episodes, the last three episodes to inject some life and completely steal the series from Echo. That's my worry, Stuart. That's what my worry is in the sense of like, Listen, if you wanted to just introduce Daredevil, just bring him into his own series. Like, why are we why are we making these connections for Echo? So, so I haven't seen the script. I don't know how the storyline is certainly going to play itself out. I just hope my concern, my concern is that Echo will end up being completely overshadowed in her own series um, and is really not going to amount to much of anything in regards to as a character. Like when I watched the Hawkeye series, you know, that series was already kind of underwhelming, but I think kind of expected. I, I mean, I walked away enjoying it for what it certainly was. I didn't really care so much for the Echo character, if I could be completely honest with you in regards to the amount of screen time or storyline and things like that. Um, so now you tell me you're going to give me an Echo series which I'm already kind of up in the air about and uncertain. And now you're going to tell me that they are filling Echo series with a bunch of other characters that can easily overshadow her that I'm much more excited about instead of just the main character herself. Um, that is a, that is a little bit of a worry of mine. Um, I am definitely going to go ahead and certainly check it out. I, I do hope that the Echo character uh, becomes becomes someone that a lot of the uh, a lot of the viewers can certainly um, root for and certainly get behind. Um, but um, that that's what my concern would be, if anything. Do, do you feel like my concern is valid or do you think they'll manage to find a way to really balance things out here? I think it's a valid concern. However, um, I feel like Marvel has shown that they really know how to balance this kind of stuff out. Like, you know, we had Luke Cage, for example, in uh, Jessica Jones. But, you know, even though, like, to me, Luke Cage was kind of a better character than Jessica Jones in her own show, uh, it never felt like this was a Luke Cage show. You know, it always felt like it was a Jessica Jones show. Like, even though they kind of show, like, um, so they really show off that, like, Luke Cage is even stronger than Jessica Jones. Uh, they still kind of want you to know, oh, yeah, but he's not the main character Jessica Jones is. Uh, and I think that it will be the same thing with Echo. Like, I'm sure we'll have uh, Daredevil in there, and I'm sure we'll get to see him do cool things. But I don't think they're going to full-on uh, Mandalorian it. I don't think they're going to have uh, Daredevil, like, one-upping her because, again, you know, it's her show. So, you know. I, I would I would say kind of expect like them to treat Daredevil kind of the same way they did Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones, basically. I, I mean, I certainly hope that you're right. I mean, it is one of those things, too, where just based off of the comic books, there definitely are a lot of connective tissues. Not to say that this is an odd pairing of characters, because it certainly does make sense. Um I, for me, I'm just a little bit concerned in the sense that I do think that he could easily overshadow her, you know, especially when the article mentions that she kind of wants to go back to her Native American routes. Does that mean that she's leaving the city? Is she certainly on the run, right? Like, is she leaving the city? And then we're going to go back to the city to balance out Matt Murdock's storyline as he's in search for Jessica Jones and things like that, right? So, like, how much connective tissues will these characters and these storylines certainly have to one another? I certainly hope that they have something in in mind because i do think that they the, since the characters connect so well in the comic books i could see them really coming up with a strong storyline but based off of some of the things that i've seen and and how disney has handled other stories like this similar in other franchises 
uh, it does kind of worry me a little bit. But I, I hope uh, I hope that the Maya Lopez's character as Echo definitely does get to shine because I think she's got a great power set. Um, and I think I, I'm hoping that this show, if anything, does sort of open up that world that was maybe teased a little bit um, in Hawkeye of the bigger sort of underground mob mentality, you know, uh, how the underground of society in the MCU currently works uh, as of right now, especially after the Hawkeye series. So um, I, I do think that there is potential here, but I would be lying if I said that there wasn't um, a little bit of concern on my part. Um, um okay. I can't remember the name of this movie, but uh, you know, I, I do find it funny. So we got like, you know, Echo who's deaf and then Daredevil who's blind, and it's like, wait, I swear I've seen a movie like this <laughs> where it was like uh I, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a comedy where it was like, I believe two detectives, one was blind, one was deaf, and so they had to work together. <laughs> you know, listen, that would actually be a really cool combination. I kind of would really uh love to see those two power sets working alongside each other. Like, I hope that there's a back-to-back uh, Daredevil and Echo just standing back-to-back -back with each other, having to go ahead and fight some people. Who knows? Maybe a, an Electra pops up in here somewhere. Uh, I have no idea, but this definitely seems like a series that can open up sort of that underground of uh, of New York a little bit more uh, and really expand and bring in these street-level heroes. So I, that's what it feels like Echo is certainly turning out to be. Um, if they bring in a, in a uh, in Electra, I would hope that this isn't the same one though from the uh, Defender from the Defender series. Yeah, oh, from Netflix. Yeah. That was yeah. like probably the one thing I didn't like about Daredevil season two was just kind of like her character overall. I get you. I can understand that. Uh, Marcelino says, "I know how they'll bring back." kingpin and echo the same way they brought him back in the comics where he got shot in the eye and survived it was dumb in the comics and it's still dumb today um how do you, you think that's a route that they might go in regards to bringing him back or how do you feel about the idea of um kingpin being shot in the eye was he shot in the eye in the end of hawkeye well, we don't know. We know that the gun was pointed at him, and then we heard right. it go off. Uh, right. So we don't know like where it shot him. Uh, my my thought is that yeah, the eye makes the most sense because then it gives him an eye patch, and plus, you know, very likely it, the eye explanation. Are awesome. <laughs> yep, and more than likely, ex the explanation for why he's still alive is because he's the kind of guy that you know we've seen he wears bulletproof vests that look like suits. So more than likely, she got like one good shot into him, like towards the eye, but he was able to like run away before she could like actually kill him. Yeah, Kingpin's a big motherfucker too, man. I mean, yeah. this guy can take all different types of punishment. I mean, the guy literally got hit by a car uh, and and got back up, uh, and so... an explosion, like even before <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, this dude is nearly indestructible. It feels like. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think if uh, the storyline makes sense, I think they can definitely bring it back. Um, Marcelino says, Adam, if you still feel disappointed about Book of Boba Fett, watch the Gold Man's rewrite of the series. It's great, and I think you and Stuart will love it. Speaking of rewriting Star Wars, you know, um, Stuart, I know you just talked about it a couple of weeks ago that you wanted to go ahead and edit the Obi-Wan Kenobi series into a movie. Somebody beat you to it, man. Somebody yep. beat you to it. Have you checked I it out yet? Like, I should have jumped right on that. No, I haven't uh, seen it yet. But uh, but I like I, I saw like the article that you posted on uh, Instagram. Yeah, there's a fan edit uh, of um, the Obi Wan Kenobi series in a uh, from a series to a two and a half hour movie, uh, and it's been getting some good praise so far. So yeah, if you guys have had the opportunity to check it out, let us know. 
Um, so Rob does say uh, maybe she'll just seek Jessica to get some bearings uh, or they'll bring Rosario Dawson back as Claire Temple. That'd be pretty cool. If she, has, cool. Uh, if she has if she has time in between filming episodes of Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. I would love to see Claire back. All right, guys. Uh, but yeah, certainly let us know your thoughts. Uh, when it comes to the Echo series, what's your level of anticipation? Um, does the addition of Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox get you certainly excited? Uh, and how do you feel that they'll certainly fit into this particular series? Let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Um, and with that, Stuart, before we move on to the next topic, I do want to go ahead and pull uh, just one uh, comment out of here. So Rob says, I wonder how they'll work Marshala, Ma Mahershala Ali into the MCU as he also played Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. I don't think we'll see Cottonmouth anymore. Yeah, I think I'll um, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, no. I, I was just going to say, yeah, he's dead. So that's I don't think that's something they even ever have to address. Yeah, and Ali right now is um playing Blade. So I think that's I think that uh uh stumps uh Cottonmouth any day of the week. So yeah. Although although one thing I find kind of funny is uh I do like how they had one actor from Avengers who was also in uh the um uh Captain no, uh Agent Carter uh, TV series mm -hmm. and what was funny is that in Agents of Shield they had like the time travel storyline so they did finally kind of explain why that he's played by the same actor because he's like his great grand he, it's like his grandfather in uh, really? Carter and then you know that's his grandson or yeah his grandson in the Avengers movie Really? I didn't even realize that. That's pretty badass. I like that. Yeah. At least I think they did because I remember like I still haven't seen the last uh, the time travel uh, season of Agents of Shield yet, but I do remember seeing the trailer for that episode and that episode showing like his character from Avengers and then showing his character from uh, uh, Agent Carter. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here. Um, as we're going to go ahead and stay in the realm of the MCU for you guys. Uh, as we got more rumors and certainly speculation certainly going around. As Stuart, I feel like this has been uh, a rumor and something that the fans have been asking for for quite some time. That there have been a lot of fan castings of good old Taron Egerton. Uh, as Wolverine in the MCU. Uh, have you heard about these rumors for quite some time? <clears throat> uh, yep. I mean, I've been hearing it not just with him, but I feel like any actor that looks like they can kind of pull it off, like either because of their height or either because they look a lot like Hugh Jackman, I feel like I keep hearing uh, fan casts for everything. So Taron Edgerton is definitely like number two on that. I think number one, though, would be like Daniel Radcliffe of like the oh. big rumors that I keep hearing. Yeah, I would agree with you. Those are probably the two that I keep hearing. And if you just based off of the similarities of those two, they're relatively short. Okay, so I think that automatically puts them higher up on the list for other actors to play MCU, the MCU Wolverine. Um, but what's interesting, Stuart, is that this week, Taron Edgerton himself actually came out and mentioned the idea that him and Kevin Feige have actually had discussions whether or not that means those discussions are going to land taron edgerton the role of wolverine but it seems as though the idea of fan theory and speculation might actually turn into reality let's go ahead and dive into this article a little bit more and see exactly what taron is talking about here and seeing how involved if anything uh he is or how close he is potentially to being an mcu wolverine 
Um, this is from IndieWire.com saying uh, Taron Edgerton has discussed Marvel role with Kevin Feige. Uh, hopes they'll give me a shot at playing Wolverine. Um, so it looks as though he's uh, possibly on board here. Let's go ahead and look into this. It says, um, in a new interview with um, the New York Times uh, to promote his role on Blackbird, Edgerton revealed that he has met with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige about potentially joining the MCU. And while it appears that nothing concrete came out of the meeting, the actor is making it very clear that there's one Marvel hero he would love to play, Wolverine. He says, I don't think it would be wrong to say that, uh, Edgerton said when asked if he's interested in taking over Hugh Jackman's iconic role. I'd be excited, but I'd be apprehensive as well because Hugh is so associated with the role that I'd wonder if it'd be very difficult for someone else to do it. Uh, Edgerton was realistic about the fact that Disney does not appear to be in any rush to recast the character, but wants to make sure that his interest in the part is well documented. Hopefully, if it does come around, they'll give me a shot. Uh, it says Edgerton isn't the only actor to be linked to the Claude superhero in recent weeks. Although uh, Disney has not announced any upcoming projects involving Wolverine, speculation about who would eventually replace Hugh Jackman has begun to swirl in recent weeks with uh, Aunt the Russo brothers advocating for Chris Evans, uh, as uh, we just mentioned in the previous article also. Uh, and then, Stuart, you also did mention um, even uh, um, Daniel Radcliffe, who I believe a couple of weeks ago might have actually come out and mention something uh, along those lines as well. So it seems as though Taron Edgerton has spoken with Kevin Feige. Um, the article is, says nothing concrete certainly came out of those meetings, but it seems very much as though Edgerton at least threw it out there that he would certainly love to be Wolverine someday um, whenever the MCU is ready to certainly go ahead and recast for the role. Um, I do want to throw this over to you first, Stuart, and ask, do you think the MCU has already been casting for Wolverine and they're just being very, very hush-hush on it? Um and if so, do you think that they have their Wolverine in mind already or not? Mm. I definitely think they have been very hush-hush about, like, looking for their Wolverine. I think when it comes to, like, X-Men characters, I feel like Marvel's secretly been working really hard to figure out the correct way to introduce them to the MCU. Uh, they just want to keep that completely under wraps because, obviously, the moment that they start saying mutants, fans are going to start speculating. And then, uh, you know, depending on where that speculation goes to, if Marvel doesn't, like introduce them the way that fans expected fans get mad even though it's not bad it's just not the way they wanted and i think marvel's trying to kind of prevent that so that's why they've been hushed on it and yeah i think that uh you know i think it's a huge possibility for taryn to be wolverine i um you know marvel has kind of uh gone with the uh fan ideas in the past like when you look at reed richards in dr strange multiverse of madness mm. so at the very least i could definitely see them um at some way want in some way wanting to kind of uh dip their, their toe in the water uh oh my screen is oh there we go sorry my screen just did something weird for a moment um so like maybe um i don't, I don't know how they would want to test it if unless they did like another multiverse movie like i could see mm. them wanting to try him out as wolverine in that but uh still you know uh 
even if it's not Wolverine specifically, I'm sure they got something in mind with him. The fact that he's talking to Marvel to begin with kind of shows that like, usually if Marvel's talking to an actor, they'll eventually uh, find a role for them. Even if it's not the one we're expecting that all being said, you know, as much as I do think if he does become Wolverine, I think that would be a pretty good choice. I don't think he'd do a bad job at all. I think another funny way Marvel could totally could totally troll with their fans is uh, if they ended up having him in Deadpool three and we had set photos that <laughs> quote unquote leaked of him in a Wolverine costume looking very much like Wolverine. And then we get to the movie itself and it turns out he's playing himself as a Wolverine <laughs> or like he's playing himself auditioning for Wolverine. <laughs> yeah that would be so meta i would i could definitely see uh deadpool pulling something off like that that would be hilarious to me but yeah no uh listen i will say this in regards to taron edgerton you know when it comes to the the wolverine character you know i don't necessarily know if i have a preference as to who i would certainly like to see play the role i think when it comes to taron edgerton i think the guy's an incredible actor for sure i really enjoyed him in rocket man also he also was in uh like a ski jumping movie i think from the olympics yeah uh, i can't remember i can't remember the name of the movie that he was in but i do think he's a really talented dude i mean clearly he's great when it comes to action you can see him in the kingsman movie um so he's definitely uh used to being the big blockbuster movie also but he certainly has some range on him uh not only great height but also a great actor and i don't think anybody really um looked at Hugh Jackman when he was announced as Wolverine and thought this guy's going to be a great Wolverine, you know, like Hugh Jackman just kind of came out of nowhere as this unknown actor um, that wind up just winning us over completely as Wolverine after the first movie. And I think, I do think somebody like a Taron Edgerton can certainly do the same. Is he my number one preference? Maybe not, uh, but then again, I don't really have a preference when it comes to Wolverine. Um, I, I do hope that they go with somebody a little bit shorter. I really would like that in regards to sticking true to the comic books to a certain extent. But outside of that, uh, I trust I trust Marvel when it comes to their casting choice. And it is one of those things when I think Wolverine is such a big character that I do think that they are at least if they haven't cast him yet i do think that they're probably keeping in mind maybe like a short list of actors that they certainly have in mind that when they are ready to get in front of the camera if they haven't done so already in like testing and chemistry things like that um i i would be certainly open to seeing who uh the mcu winds up uh, getting for this because I think the Wolverine is such a big character that you probably want to get ahead of yourself before you start announcing any Marvel movies uh, for the X-Men or, or Wolverine. And again, we do have a San Diego Comic-Con and a D23 right around the corner where, you know, Kevin Feige has mentioned not only are we going to see phase five but definitely get a better understanding as to the trajectory of where um, the MCU is certainly headed. So whether that means uh, more additional information on Fantastic Four or maybe even the X-Men, who certainly knows what information we're going to be getting here within the next two months. Um, so, uh, you know, listen, I, I would agree with you also, Stuart, in the sense that if they've talked to Taryn, it may not necessarily be for the Wolverine role, but if they're talking to you, 
they definitely means that they are trying to figure out some way to kind of bring you into the fold of the MCU at some point in time. And so I really do hope that um, this definitely happens uh, to some capacity. But whoever they whoever they pick, I'm going to be open minded to it because we, we've seen it already once with Hugh Jackman uh, and he knocked it out of the park. Um, so we'll see how uh, how this turns out. Um, the only thing I kind of really hope we get from this uh, new Wolverine, I really hope he plays it very different than uh, Hugh Jackman or that we get like someone that looks nothing like Hugh Jackman just because I think mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman did good with the version of Wolverine that he was given. But now I kind of want to see like a more comic book accurate version where he's just kind of uh, he's just kind of like this uh, jerk, you know what I mean? Like kind of this asshole that, you know, has a has a good heart, but it you definitely won't see it uh, from the, at least not until the end of the movie like that that's kind of how i want them to portray a new wolverine i want you to like i want to like not like him until the end of the movie i get you i can i get you i'm uh, definitely getting back to those comic book roots for sure uh sarav says look i think they should really cast a canadian in that role since logan is canadian oh, where's ron reynolds when you need him right uh, <laughs> probably one of the most recognizable canadians out there we got good old marcelino vasquez says i'd like to see anthony star uh carl urban that's a good one and lee arenberg as wolverine i'm not familiar with lee arenberg uh anthony star is that homelander uh, let me I look. believe that's Homelander from um, from the boys. I've always really loved the idea of when people when when I've seen Anthony Starr fan cast, I usually see him as reverse yes. flash. Uh, I love the idea of him as an Eobard Thawne. Uh, same here. Yeah, it is the uh, actor that plays Homelander. Uh, who's, but who's Lee Ehrenberg? Lee Ehrenberg. Let's find out. And somebody also said, I think Sarav says, how do you like Keanu Reeves? Uh, Keanu Reeves, I think I think Indy got me on this trip to where I would love to see Keanu Reeves as Dr. Doom. Okay, so he's been in uh, all the Pirates of the, uh, the Caribbean movies. He plays one of the two uh, kind of uh, comedic side uh, character pirates, like the, oh. the comedic relief pirates. Oh, let me see. Lee Ehrenberg. I just want to see what his face looks like. Oh, okay. He's an older gentleman, though. Uh, he's like, how old? He's 59. So, yeah, nah, I'm good. I'm good with the Lee one. He's a little bit too, too old. I definitely would love me a, a younger actor for that role. Uh, just because, you know, like Hugh Jackman, they kept this man around for years, have forcing this man to stay in shape for such a long time. Uh, I definitely do think you need somebody that's going to be able to keep up uh, with, uh, with that workout regimen for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, guys, go ahead and certainly let us know your thoughts. Uh, Taryn Edgerton has spoken with Kevin Feige. The article claims that they have not found their Wolverine yet or haven't focused on it yet. But if they are talking to Taryn Edgerton, do you think that that means they have interest in certainly bringing him in? And what would be your interest of seeing Taryn as Wolverine? Certainly go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. And Stuart, I would be doing our fans a disservice if I did not showcase the newest boss logic fan art as he wind up putting together a fantastic piece of taron edgerton as wolverine if you guys want to go ahead and check it out even giving him the classic yellow and uh yellow and blue costume definitely muted color wise but i still think we could easily bring these costumes to life man so i definitely hope that's the route kevin feige goes what do you think of boss logic's um version of taron edgerton as wolverine you think it fits uh 
definitely looks really cool for the most part but uh, i gotta be honest i'm not the biggest fan of the costume i like the color on the costume Mm -hmm. i just don't like the uh the design the padding on it looks kind of just uh a little too much going on there you know i feel you i feel some type of way about the beard in general but other than that i'm cool with it the x insignia looks great Mm -hmm. um but yeah so this is just a little mock-up that uh boss logic does he always does incredible work uh but i think it's a great uh version to kind of give us a better idea of what uh taryn could possibly look like but uh i would love to see if they i don't know if they still have it or if it if it was ever even meant to be used as a practical costume but they had a a a look at the uh classic wolverine costume and i believe it was uh the second wolverine movie one i believe Um, we never got to see it because it was like a deleted scene but uh you know from what we saw from that shot it looked really cool so i would love to see that costume make a a return yeah they kind of teased it like i think he opened up a briefcase and you just see like the the headpiece and like his gloves or something like that um i think it was like the brown and yellow um classic costume like you mentioned but we unfortunately never got a chance to see it uh in action but um i hope that changes man i hope that changes um so rob says he looks tactical yeah i would agree that costume yeah. for sure it looks like he's ready for a battle out on the battlefield uh but yeah guys go ahead and let us know your thoughts in regards to taron edgerton possibly as wolverine let us know your guys's thoughts uh and with that out of the way Stuart, we will go ahead and transition over to another uh in association with Marvel topic as uh, this one actually brings us into the world of Sony uh, as look guys, you know, when it comes to Sony pictures and their take on Marvel characters, especially from Spider-Man uh, I haven't necessarily been the biggest fan of their take on the first two Venom movies. Uh, I am a little bit skeptical in regards to some of their other upcoming projects, such as Craven the Hunter, uh, maybe even Madam Web, which this week Madam Web cast good old Mike Epps, a uh, fantastic uh, comedian and talent, uh, to go ahead and be a part of the Madam Web, uh, Madam Web movie also. Uh, but one of its most recent movies, believe it or not, Stuart, uh, Morbius, um i actually i don't think i finished the movie but i think i i definitely watched a majority of it as of yesterday i have not finished it whatsoever uh but for me when it comes to sony pictures i've been a little bit harsh on them in regards to the sense of feeling like they are the king of mediocrity when it comes to just doing the bare minimum or bare effort to try and make a good film when it comes to the spider-man spiral spiral spider-man list universe of theirs and which interesting story this week is that there was an article that just dropped from movieweb.com that let us know that while I was certainly concerned and worried about the direction in which the Sony universe was certainly going to go, apparently even Kevin Feige warned them uh, beforehand in regards to diving so headfirst into this particular universe. And if Kevin Feige warns you about anything, for the love of God, please pay attention okay uh so unfortunately sony has not done so uh and so i thought it'd be interesting to go ahead and dive into this article to kind of see exactly what uh kevin feige was certainly talking about and how he uh what he what he actually said to sony in regards to this so let's go ahead and dive into this this comes to us from movieweb.com where it says the marvel boss kevin feige has warned sony about its spider-man spin-off franchise marvel's x-men uh, excuse me, Marvel's Kevin Feige has offered advice regarding um, the spinoffs. 
which it seems they have seemingly ignored. It says, say what you will about the quality of the MCU, but Marvel Studios pres president Kevin Feige knows how to lead, lead a hugely successful franchise. And it's something that Sony may want to bear in mind. As a new report, courtesy of the Angler, reveals that Feige has issued a warning to the studio regarding their amazing their Spider-Man spinoffs. They say, and yes, Marvel's Kevin Feige does weigh in and offer notes on Sony's Marvel movies that don't feature Spider-Man. One insider credits Feige for guiding Sony's approach and warning the studio not to get too ahead of itself in terms of building some larger universe in the vein of the Avengers movies. It says, while the MCU does often receive criticism for its conveyor belt approach to making movies the franchise now has 29 movies under its belt as well as several television shows with each one largely being met with acclaim uh, from both critics and audiences alike alongside financial success feige clearly knows what he's doing and marvel studio boss uh, has tried to pass some of that wisdom on to sony but have they listened Sony, of course, who have teamed up on the occasion with Marvel Studios for the likes of Spider-Man, Homecoming, and No Way Home, are now just three movies into the spin-off series, and the wheels have already started to fall off. While the 2018 Venom was a big success financially, critics did not take kindly to the first outing of Tom Hardy's anti-hero. A sequel um, landed in 2021 was met with similar negative reviews and earned less with its predecessor. Uh, the most recent outing uh, came from Morbius, um, but without Spidey, the failings of Morbius are now so well known that Daredevil, assuming that Deadpool 3 may make jokes at, his, as it, it, at its expense. It says Sony is desperate to launch its own shared universe. Uh, it says, so while Kevin Feige advised Sony not to get too ahead of themselves, the studio has seemingly ignored those words. Instead, Sony is rushing to catch up with the MCU as fast as possible with the likes of Craven the Hunter, Madam Web. Oh, God, Stuart, I forgot all about El, El Muerto and Venom 3 already in development. Sony attempts to string together the likes of Morbius and Venom and both each other in the MCU have been mixed at best. Aside from this warped world of Spider-Man spinoffs, they also have plans on eventually doing a Spider-Man 4. It says, okay, so Sony may not have the biggest bench in terms of franchises, but it wisely made a deal with, uh, with Marvel Studios to get its marquee character Spider-Man into the MCU, uh, which helped them uh, make the studio solo Spidey movies must-sees. Uh, it says, and while plans are in motion for another Spider-Man trilogy with Tom Hardy, Tom Holland, I don't believe that he has actually signed on to the deal as of yet. So um, they are not slowing down, Stuart. Um, they definitely have a lot of movies that are currently in production as of right now. Um, so I will go ahead and start off with you in regards to this. Um, you've had the opportunity to check out all the Sony movies as of so far. Um, what are your thoughts in regards to this? And do you feel they should have heeded the warnings of Kevin Feige, or are they on a little bit of a path uh, to success themselves? What are your thoughts? Uh, I think you put it best when you said uh, uh, 
Sony's kind of become the king of mediocrity because yeah, when it came to it's kind of weird. I feel like Morbius actually made me dislike Venom 2 a little bit more because when I when it mm. came to Venom 2, very much felt like a safe movie, very much felt like a uh, we're just going to make a fun action comedy uh and you know, we're not really going to put that much thought into it. But like Morbius was the one that I was like kind of curious about because the trailer for the movie just really made it seem like it was going to be kind of more than just your by the numbers action movie and then you go to see it and it's like not only is it by the numbers but it's like you can't even do the numbers correctly you know <laughs> uh best way to put it it's like it's trying to be by the numbers but it's failing because it doesn't know like how to crunch the numbers right so you know with, with sony it really does kind of seem like they're just uh really just trying to get it out there and not really caring too much about how and i think you can definitely tell that with uh, morbius because it feels like with that movie um it feels like they kept trying to change their mind of how they wanted to go about making it and how to connect it to the overall larger uh, sony universe until like the very end of it they were just kind of like okay we we kind of give up we're just gonna say you know all in the sony universe and then uh you know the events of spider-man no way home somehow cause vulture but no one else to like get sent to this universe from the mcu uh and yeah i just uh i don't know to me it feels like they don't have an actual plan or it feels like they might have like an idea of a plan but that plan could constantly be changing uh and i just don't think it's working in their favor the way they want it to so i think that yeah they probably what they really should have done is like the same thing as marvel what a lot of people forget that marvel did because of where it's at right now which is they focused on individual movies and making sure that those worked as movies before like trying to worry about tying them in together and uh, i mean yeah you had like the hints and teasers here and there and then you had iron man 2 which was kind of the only exception really to that but when you look at like you know the whole iron man thor uh captain america they weren't thinking about how can we set all these up so they can like fight together in avengers they were thinking how can we make a good iron man movie how can we make a good thor movie and unfortunately when you look at a movie like uh, venom 2 or uh, morbius it really does feel like the question is less about how do we make a good venom or morbius movie and more about how do we tie venom and morbius into the larger spider-man universe you know, I, I would definitely agree with you uh, in that regards, because I was just about to say, like, it feels like it would be different if they released these movies and they were actually good movies. You mm -hmm. know, it feels very much like they're just trying to play catch up and maybe build up towards what Sony has been wanting to make for years. And that is a, uh, a Sinister Six film. Uh, I still wonder if that's the route that they certainly plan on going. But the trajectory to certainly get there has definitely been very much flawed. Um, it is one of those things where I don't have a problem with Sony deciding to tackle these characters. Because, look, if you don't have Spider-Man just to yourself and you see Spider-Man being utilized in the MCU and you've got all these characters and you're not utilizing them to make you any money at the studio, it definitely is an underutilization of the characters that you have. So if you are going to make these movies with these characters, I've got no problem with you doing that, but you got to put your best foot forward, right? Like the MCU work so incredibly well to build up to something like the Avengers because like you mentioned no solo films were thought about first in the sense of we're not even going to be able to get to our crossover and the events that we want if we don't put 
a good movie forward first. And so it does feel as though they have forgotten all about that in the sense of just wanting to make money and utilize these characters as best as they, uh, you know, as quickly as they could. Now, listen, maybe Sony does certainly have a plan. And they do want to get up to, say, a Sinister Six movie or whatever the case may be. Again, I just feel like they're going about it just in the completely, completely wrong way. Because uh, for me, I ne wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the first Venom. I saw Venom 2, and it somehow made me appreciate the first Venom a little bit more. And watching Morbius yesterday, while I haven't finished it... It just feels like a film that's a little bit all over the place, has some moments that make me leave, like, leave me scratching my head. Like <laughs> one of the scenes, and I bickered about this with my girlfriend yesterday, when we were watching it, there was a scene when he's running away from the Tyrese detective character. And all of a sudden, Tyrese points a gun towards him and he gives up. Like literally after the fact that you took out an entire ship of people you, you're discovering your abilities and how quick that you are, and yet you're not – I get the idea you don't want to maybe kill the Tyrese character, but you can't escape. Like you can't dodge a bully. Like you literally just did this on the ship like eight times. And so the fact that he makes himself get captured, like there's just a lot of interesting decision choices uh, from the writer in here in regards to the script uh, as far as it goes. The editing was all over the place it felt like sometimes. It just kind of came through a little bit underwhelming. Um, so some of the action worked for me in regards to seeing Morbius and stuff. I, I really appreciated the 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 makeup and the transformation for Jared Leto and stuff, but it just fell a little bit flat. And I haven't necessarily finished the movie, so maybe the final act and if there is a post credit scene, maybe that'll make me enjoy it a little bit more than what it is. But it just seems like another movie uh, mm -hmm. from Sony, and it's not doing anything that's just captivating me uh and doing anything different that i haven't seen in any other movie like i would agree with you it feels very much like paint and color by numbers and even though the numbers are there they're still picking their own colors to choose and just coloring wherever they want to and it's just it's just really throwing the pacing off for me so when you tell me hey we've got a craven movie coming out hey we've got a madam web movie coming out i'm like i, I don't see why i should care and especially an El Muerto movie who's had like two appearances in the comic books. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do appreciate Bad Bunny and what he's capable of doing as an actor. But I, I none of these movies truly get me excited, unfortunately, Stuart. Yeah, understandable. And I mean, the fact alone that you haven't finished Morbius, even though it's like a really short I, movie, that kind of shows you how bad it is. Like, well, I will say, I, I, to, to be fair, I did start the movie at like midnight last night. Oh, okay. Uh, and even though it's only an hour and 44 minutes, I think, I don't think I made it to, I might have made it to like 1 a.m. And then I just conked out sleeping. So uh, but it definitely didn't grab my attention enough to make me have to be like, oh, my God, I got to finish this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I did see somebody say something about Dakota. So Rob says maybe Dakota will put her own spin on the character in regards to Madam Web. Most definitely. She's a very strong uh, actress. And there are times when an actor can certainly help elevate um, when an actor can certainly help elevate a script. Uh, I think Tom Hardy's probably able to do that with some of the stuff that he's gotten from Venom. But the fact that that movie is still kind of rough for me to sit through, it's like, man, how terrible has, must that script have, have been uh, that Tom Hardy certainly has to, um, has to carry it as much as he has. Um, but yeah, it does, if anything, it does not make me 
uh, very excited for the future of these particular movies. And yeah, when you've got somebody like Kevin Feige who does oversee these movies, um, there's sometimes, you know, um, uh, J. Cole said, pride is the devil. You know, sometimes you could be way too prideful in the sense of uh, thinking that you can do better than somebody else or thinking you're the smartest person in the room when unfortunately you're not. And you should listen to somebody like Kevin Feige who's done this and certainly take um, uh, take uh, his uh, advice into consideration at least. Or just, uh, you know, do what the uh, Sony president did and just throw a sandwich at him. That that works too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like even my girlfriend is chiming in morbius equals black. <laughs> like i think she might have even fallen asleep certainly uh watching it also detella says i wasn't a huge fan of morbius i know some people appreciated it I, I think some people walked away kind of thinking that um the critics might have been too hard on morbius what do, what do you think though Stuart? i mean it's it's a movie i can't hate because nothing in it happens that's like that really bad like like to the where you're just like oh that's so terrible it's just that nothing good happens in it either it's just such a bland movie and it's just it's bizarre it's almost like it's almost like there was effort to make sure they didn't do anything too unique with it and they only just made it like as good as it needed to be to kind of keep going which is just really bizarre and you, yeah. you talked about the editing earlier the there was one scene that really stuck out to me that that I thought was just so bizarrely amateurish where uh where like um Morbius mentions uh needing a boat and then the next shot he's like in a lab with his partner and I'm under the assumption that he's back at his lab at home cuz there's nothing I'm looking at maybe a couple of the blurry doors in the background that have you know the you know metal handles and everything Maybe if I was paying attention to that, I would have noticed, but there was nothing to indicate that they were on a boat during that scene. And it wasn't until like halfway through, like with the mercenaries where I'm like, wait, this is on a boat. When did we get to a boat? Because they <laughs> never had like an establishing shot or anything like that. They were just on a boat. And it took me like five minutes to realize that, even though it wasn't supposed to be a surprising thing. Yeah, man, it's uh, it was rough. It was rough. It was rough to sit through, to certainly say the least. Um, but um, yeah, guys, definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts. Should Sony Pictures have taken the advice of Kevin Feige uh, in regards to this? Do you think that Sony has a much bigger plan in mind, but there's just not executing it properly? Or do you think they really have no idea what they're doing and are just trying to make these films uh, as many as they possibly can just to make money off of this huge franchise that they certainly have the rights to definitely go ahead and let me know your guys's thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below um blossom says prideful i'm guilty of that myself yeah going back to j cole i think his lyric was pride is the devil i think it's got a hold of me pride is the devil and it left so many r.i.p <laughs> tell me about it man sony <laughs> somebody just make a tombstone for sony right now bro because they're just they're really just dropping the ball on this there was um there's a cut of the film of the film Amazing Spider-Man 2 that a fan made and it's uh literally just based on the notes that uh Kevin Feige gave Sony when uh when he got like an early screening of it. Oh, said it again? Uh so basically there's a cut of Amazing Spider-Man 2 that a fan made and this cut is based on the notes Kevin Feige made for the Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he when he uh, saw he like saw the rough cut of, of it. And he's like, yeah, there's too many plot lines. And he gives them these notes. And uh, yeah, so I, I haven't checked it out yet, but I'd be kind of curious to see if that's actually better. 
Yeah, I would be kind of curious too. And if I can actually see the notes themselves from Kevin Feige in regards to what he wanted to change, I would be really fascinated. Um, so yeah, guys, look, we got a bunch of Sony movies certainly coming up. Madam Web, Craven the Hunter, El Muerto, Venom 3. Are you interested or fascinated by any of these? And does it have your hype level up? Or are you going into there with either an open mind or some hesitancy? Definitely go ahead and let me know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. And uh Stuart, let's go ahead and change course here, man. We're going to get away from the MCU talk a little bit and really dive into some movie and television for you guys today. As uh, the next topic that we're going to go ahead and bring up, just to make sure that it's uh, the next one on that list. Okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and trans course over to Netflix a little bit, Stuart. As uh, Stranger Things Season 4 has officially, I don't want to say officially wrapped, but it is currently up on Netflix. Uh, it's fourth season's part one and two, I don't know if you had the opportunity to certainly check it out for yourself, Stuart, but uh, if I could be honest with you, when it comes to season four of Stranger Things, A plus in my mind, man, A plus. Did, did you check it out? Uh, yeah, actually, it's funny. I just finished watching it a second time uh, yesterday, uh, I which I, which is something I didn't think I would do because one of my complaints about it uh, early was the fact that, yeah, each episode is too long. But I did it because my girlfriend wanted to go back and watch it. So uh, I took it a lot slower this time. Instead of trying to uh, do three or four episodes and burning myself out on it, we were doing like one episode, maybe two a, a day. But uh, we were spreading it out throughout like a couple of weeks. And I think that's the better way to watch it. It's just it's a really hard season to binge, but when you watch it throughout the course of like a week, I think it's uh, I think it's an extremely solid season. I'd say I think I still like season one and three a little bit more, but I'd say this is my third favorite season with season two still being my uh, least favorite out of all of them. Yeah, I would agree with you there. For me, I think season four has definitely become one of my favorites, um, but uh, I still really enjoy season one for sure. So for right now, it would probably be season four season one season three and season two and uh, again for me the only weak season i think was the second one for me at least um but i walked away from stranger things season four just awestruck um some incredible like the eddie munson metallica in the upside down world is for me like one of my favorite television moments of all time uh, i've watched that so many times it's it's just so incredibly metal i absolutely love it most metal ever. <laughs> I, I love it man i i really want to go back and rewatch that season but the duffer brothers give them a round of applause for what they've been able to do four seasons so far and still bringing people back to one a fifth season for the final one. But big things are certainly in store for the Duffer Brothers as after their success of Stranger Things, they have officially gone into putting together their own film production group, Stuart, as uh, they recently unveiled Upside Down Productions this week. And I want to go ahead and dive into what the Upside Down production is actually going to be doing because this team up with the Duffer Brothers and Netflix is set to go ahead and bring us some amazing content, certainly going forward. Uh, it says Duffer Brothers launch Netflix shingle Upside Down Pictures, a new uh, production studio from them where they've got Stranger Things spinoff, a Stephen Daldry helmed stage play coming along with a manga Death Note, along with a Stephen King, The Talisman series. So they're jumping headfirst into all this new content 
as a success of their Stranger Things series has really helped them launch this new pictures studio here. So let's dive into this. This is from Deadline. This is an exclusive report saying that following the record-breaking release of the two final episodes of Stranger Things Season 4, creators Matt and Ross Duffer have formed Upside Down Pictures and recommitted to Netflix with several new projects. So these two are going to be working together for quite some time to run up Upside down, they hired Hillary Leavitt, a vet of BBC America and, and, and MRC, who most recently ran her own Hulu-based Blazer Banner. Uh, a series she helped develop include Orphan Black, which is a great series, uh, Ozark, another fantastic one, along with The Great and Shining Girls. Borrowing the company name from their Juggernaut series, the Duffer Brothers will continue to lean into the formula that has been a propulsive force in Stranger Things. The brothers said in the new company will be guided by the goal to create the kinds of stories that inspired them growing up. Stories that take place at that beautiful crossroads where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, where big spectacle coexists with intimate character work, where heart wins out over cynicism i absolutely love i absolutely love this idea uh and how they express what it is that they want to be able to feature and create when it comes to upside down pictures so it says while their first order of business will be settling the epic good versus evil battle between 11 and vecna in stranger things final season the duffer brothers and netflix have expanded their slate of projects for the future so we've got a new live action series adaption of Death Note. Uh, so for those of you who might have been maybe disappointed in the Death Note movie that Netflix wind up helming, it looks as though the Duffer Brothers will in fact be tackling a new live action series for Death Note. Uh, it does say here, uh, this will be, it says the Netflix made a film in 2017, but this will be an entirely new take. They also said there's an original series uh, from creators Jeffrey Adis, um, who did uh, Dark Crystal in the Age of Resistance. That's fascinating to me. I would love Ooh. to see what those creators come up with uh, being a part of working with the Duffers. Uh, they also have, like we mentioned, the Stephen King Talisman um, series that they're going to be tackling as well. And then they've got two other things. We've got a new stage play set within the world and the mythology of Stranger Things, which I find pretty interesting. A stage play for Stranger Things and the aforementioned live action Stranger Things spinoff series for Netflix based on an original idea from the Duffer Brothers. Um, so if anything, listen, the Duffer Brothers aren't going to be writing and directing all of these particular projects, but they are at least going to be implementing the same ideas or the same concepts and themes uh that they have taken from that of stranger things as they mentioned sort of that where the ordinary meets extraordinary which i think has been a, a fantastic formula for that of um of uh stranger things it definitely brings sort of like that 80s kind of horror sci-fi kind of vibe to it if you will uh, mixed in with some great coming of age and focus on character stories. Uh, and I think if they can keep that same heart and that same focus that they did with Stranger Things, Stuart, uh, I think some of these, um, uh, some of these, um, projects that they're going to be tackling can honestly really, really work. Uh, for me, 
I think now that I've read this article through, I'm definitely still fascinated in the Stranger Things spinoff. Who knows what that's certainly going to be. Uh, was it you, Stuart, that mentioned the idea that you would love to see like a Hopper like detective story or something along those lines? Was that you? Uh, not that I remember, but uh, definitely not opposed to that idea. Um, they've been very tight-lipped as to what this spinoff is certainly going to be, so I am very much fascinated in that. And now hearing the addition of the creators from uh, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance being involved, it does make me wonder if we're going to be bringing that same aesthetic that we did from that show in regards to puppeteering, you know, the Jim Henson Corporation, maybe bringing them into the fold. Like, I wonder if we're going to be going along th that route. Like, that feels very much something like the Duffer Brothers and just their imagination can really grab a hold of um, but let me throw this over to you Stuart you hear the advancement here that the Duffer brothers are certainly making in regards to their own picture studio um, putting people in place to kind of uh, bring on these new projects is there any project in particular that really sort of jumps out at you uh, or just what do you think about this news of them continuing their career their relationship with Netflix um so the Death Note one is definitely the most intriguing to me and it's probably because, like, I think that if any anime is easy to adapt, it should be Death Note. Um, because we've gotten live action movies of Death Note before, and they've been pretty good, surprisingly. Not the Netflix one. I mean, like, the live action Death Notes that we've gotten that were actually, you know, made in Japan. Because we've had a trilogy of Death Note movies. Um, and then mm. we also had a live action Death Note series that I don't remember if i finished but i do remember watching and uh surprisingly really enjoying so it's an easy show to adapt which gets me excited because they have you know the producers of stranger things and then the the creators of dark crystal working on it so it makes me think we could finally get a good american adaptation of death note but it also makes me worried that it might end up making me dislike the producers of stranger things and the creators of the dark <laughs> crystal tv series which i don't want to do so you know, I really hope they pull this off. I really hope they uh, take their time with it. And I really hope they think things through. They don't rush it kind of the same way that the Netflix uh, Death Note definitely felt like it was. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely I think that's the one that's more intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I was I was I was hoping that you would pick the Death Note one for sure, especially considering um, your experience with the, the series and, and things like that in the past. But um uh, yeah, I, I unfortunately never checked out Death Note, but I, I got to think that there are maybe some fans out there who are big fans of Stranger Things that kind of want to keep their fingers crossed that um, this iteration will certainly be a lot better than what they dropped back in 2017. So uh, I think there are certainly some people maybe rooting for its uh, success. Um, uh, Cindy came through the girlfriend. She says, I'm down to rewatch uh, talking about Stranger Things season four. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I went to um, Fan Expo Dallas um, just uh, before part two of Stranger Things season four dropped, and there were actually a lot of Eddie Munson cosplayers there. Uh, and at first, I didn't really see the big deal of his character. He wasn't somebody that really grew on me so much um, in the first uh, the first half, if you will. I mean, cool guy in regards to him being the leader of a D&D &D group and stuff. I guess for me... I, I mean, not growing up into D and D, maybe that's where the separation and then uh, excitement for his character uh, was missing for me. But um, I got to say, man, I, I feel like he certainly took a life of his own uh, in the second half. And 
what they did with his arc just truly made me appreciate him a lot more as a character for the entire season. So there's a part of me that kind of wants to rewatch it again. Uh, Cause I think, I think me and the, I think the girlfriend and I certainly did. Uh, Cause I remember she went back and started watching stranger things season one uh, and worked her way through the season just before part two wind up dropping. And uh, I do remember catching some clips and I just I, I just remember thinking to myself, especially after watching part two, like, man, I'm I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but uh, he's a character that I kind of wanted to see more of now that I think about it, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to check out um, uh, Stranger Things season four one more time and certainly rewatch it. Uh, Blossom says, did you say Jim Henson? I love that guy. He's one of my creative influences. Uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out Dark Crystal, uh, it is on Netflix. Unfortunately, uh, it's only got one season and then they unfortunately canceled it. Um, but uh, yeah, Jim Henson's legacy definitely continues on as it uh, kind of really goes back to the puppeteering aspect of what they used to do a lot back in the 80s, it feels like, with a lot of those uh, fantastical type of movies. Um, so I really appreciated the aesthetics that it wind up bringing. And if um, the Duffer brothers can, uh, again, really continue to utilize those same themes that they had from Stranger Things and what helped that show become so successful if you can get those creators from dark crystal to certainly team up with them who knows what they can certainly create i think those are just two really great imaginations being put together into something uh fantastic so i'm, I'm pretty interested to see what they come up with like they've definitely have proven themselves for me in regards to having such a strong series four seasons into stranger things you know if they if they can knock season five out of the park uh, i think this will be one of the, the the better streaming service shows that we've that we've ever had Stuart. yeah and uh something i'm kind of curious about is uh because it kind of felt like in season two like they were already kind of setting up a spinoff show so i'm wondering if that's the spinoff show that they're uh talking about what are you thinking it could be um well the episode where l like is introduced to like other kids with uh powers like her uh -huh. um so I'm wondering if like that's that might be where they go with uh, one of the spinoff shows. That would, it would be pretty interesting to kind of see that explored a little bit more. They've been open about the idea that um, it's really out of left field, that it's really off the wall in the sense that not many people are going to figure out what this spinoff is certainly going to be. So as much as I would love to see like a young Hopper or his story and things like that uh, and like a, a crime thriller, I think it might be something even uh, a little bit bolder than that. Like what is what's a D&D &D life, a D&D &D game come to life or something like that? That would be pretty <laughs> interesting. Something I'd be kind of interested in is like if it was a Eddie spinoff where it's like literally just a prequel about like and has no connective tissue <laughs> to like anything that actually happens during the events of Stranger Things. It's just all about his life because I'm kind of curious about his backstory because they mentioned that he has a dad who's in jail and his uncle seems to see a lot of good in him. But he also hasn't he also is like repeating high school for like the third year in a row and he still <laughs> sells drugs. But he also sounds like he's trying to turn his life around. I'm like, I, I need to know the full backstory on this because this sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe his popularity alone from season four has garnered him another opportunity to play the character in something else. Uh, that's always it's that definitely a possibility. But uh, guys, let me know your thoughts. The Duffer brothers continue to gain stardom with the fantastic storylines that they wind up doing when it comes to 
Stranger Things as Stranger Things was season four has been uh, pretty incredible. If you haven't had the opportunity to check it out, please do your favors. Do yourself a favor and check out the Stranger Things series. Uh, but big things are certainly happening for the Duffer Brothers. Uh, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below in regards to what project you're most fascinated in from Upside Down Pictures. Go ahead and certainly let us know. Um, and last but not least, Stuart, our last topic of the day, man. You ready to go ahead and uh, tackle this last one? Hell yeah. I think Indy will probably be happy that he's not here for this story in regards <laughs> to the idea that more Avatar uh, is in the news, ladies and gentlemen. Avatar The Way of the Water uh, is set to go ahead and drop this upcoming December as uh, the sequel to the first Avatar from years ago. I might have been like a baby at the time. I can't remember at this point. But uh, when it comes to the many sequels that are supposed to be coming out of Avatar. There's supposed to be four sequels. We got Avatar 2 and 3 that are certainly headed our way, along with 4 and 5. And Stuart, um, this past week, because Empire Magazine continues to drop gems in regards to this particular franchise, and we just saw an exclusive a photo of Stephen Lang as a Na'vi uh, at the very beginning, and honorable mentions, if you will. Uh, but when it comes to the Avatar sequels, while James Cameron is definitely going to be directing the first two films of these sequels, it seems very much like it's kind of up in the air for him to direct the fourth and fifth one, uh, and it really kind of begs the question that I have here, Stuart, and maybe you can clarify this for me, but I thought we were filming all four movies already. I, I, I thought all these movies were being filmed together. So wait, you're telling me we literally waited all these years for you to do two movies? You haven't even started the fourth and fifth one yet? Does that mean we got to wait another 20 years for these movies to drop? I'm I'm really confused right now, Stuart. So maybe you and this article can answer some questions for me here. Um, because this comes to us from Empire Magazine, letting us know that when it comes to Avatars 4 and 5, James Cameron might not even direct these, Stuart. He might not even direct these. Um, it says uh, exclusive, James Cameron might not direct 4 and 5 himself. It says uh, he's always been a filmmaker with a vision, a director who sees and imagines the possibilities of the rest of us can't. And after changing the game with Avatar, taking the high concept original idea and turning it into the highest grossing film of all time, his next vision was to create an epic four film saga set in the same universe, telling a huge story on the growing, the glowing planet of Pandora. The first of those films, Avatar The Way of Water, hits cinemas this December, and as the yet untitled third film is set to follow in 2024, having shot back to back. Down the line, Avatar 4 and 5 will go into production, also plan to film together. But while this whole endeavor was Cameron's idea, one thing that's less certain is whether he'll be back to direct um, the final two films. Um, he says, speaking with Empire, you know, the Avatar films themselves are kind of of all consuming. James Cameron admits, I've got some other things I'm developing as well that are exciting. I think eventually over time, I don't know if that's after three or four, uh, I'll want to pass the baton to a director that I trust to take over so I can do some other stuff that I'm also interested in. Or maybe not. I don't know. Um, previously, Cameron did hand over Alita Battle Angel, a project he long planned to adapt to screen to director Robert Rodriguez while remaining on board as executive producer and a co-writer. He says, um, 
Uh, everything I need to say about family, about sustainability, about climate, about the natural world and themes that are important to me in real life and in my cinematic life, I can say on this canvas. I got more excited as I went along. Movie four is a corker. It's a mother effer. And I actually hope I get to make it. But it depends on market forces. Three is in the can, so it's coming out regardless. I really hope we get to make four and five because it's one big story. Ultimately, the saga is only beginning. Let James Cameron's next epic vision commence. So, Stuart, let's 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 go through this here a little bit because mm -hmm. it seems like he's open to the idea of doing at least four, but he's also opening the door for hey, listen, you know. Um, I, there may be other projects that I certainly want to, uh, tackle and not have, you know, uh, more than what I'm doing here in avatar. And he even has the nerve, Stuart, the nerve at the end to drop. Oh, well, we'll see if four or five even gets made. What? What? You don't, <laughs> you don't, you haven't planned for that yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Like you, as a studio, you kind of got to see how the first two films do in the sense of uh, the sequels two and three to try even figure out like financially, does this even make sense for us to do a four and five? I guess for me, this makes me feel like, okay, if we only get number two and three, I'm hoping that they are sort of their own self-contained movies to where if the studios say, hey, we don't need to see, we don't want four and five anymore that I can sit down with this trilogy and be happy with the story that's certainly being told. But I guess for me, Stuart, I was always under the impression that the reason why this these movies took so long to make was because of the fact that they wanted to film all four of them together instead of just the two. So we've spent the past two years, the past, what, 10 years? I don't remember the last time the Avatar movie came out. So we spent the last 10 years waiting for these two movies and you're not even in development yet for four and five. So when can we even expect four and five if the studio even wants to? Is that going to be another 10-year project that we have to wait around for? Um, again, for me, maybe it was just my own misunderstanding, but I always was under the impression that they're knocking out all these movies and we were going to get them regardless but that doesn't seem to be the case, Stuart. Um, so I'm a little bit baffled. Uh, and I am a little bit more concerned now, kind of hoping that numbers two and three wraps up the story sufficiently to where, heaven forbid, if these movies don't do well, uh, if we don't get the other two movies, I would be okay with. But that's a little bit of a bummer to for me to, to hear that. I don't even necessarily need James Cameron to direct all of them as much as I personally would love to see that. As long as he's the writer and the story is there, I'll certainly trust it because I walked away um, loving Alita Battle Angel. And that was certainly one of his stories, at least adapted, um, that I probably would have liked to have seen him direct. But I'm kind of glad that he wind up giving it up to somebody else there. But his name carries a lot of weight to it. Um, and so it does worry me about the future of four and five. And now I'm even more desperate for two and three to be successful uh, in order to kind of even see these four films. So a little bit disappointed because I, I maybe I misinterpreted the plan for what James Cameron had in mind, especially with the long wait that we had. Um, so you hear this, though, Stuart. 
he may not direct four and five. Who knows if four and five is even going to happen, according to him. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think originally when he made this promise, he, uh, you know, had very different management that he had to answer to because I think uh, with Fox, they were just going to let him do whatever he wanted with these five movies. But then I think Fox being bought by Disney might be like kind of the big thing that uh, changed Mm. that Disney wanting to play it safer and wanting to do things as a trilogy first and then continue if fans continue to want more. So I do think this will uh, wrap itself up like as a trilogy at the end of the third movie. but i don't think it'll be like um absolute closure i think there's still going to be enough open after the third movie to where you could still do a fourth and a fifth movie afterwards uh but yeah i think it's just i think it all has to do with really just disney now owning the franchise and maybe wanting to do something uh different than what james cameron originally had in mind Uh, i certainly hope that you're right um that seems very much plausible to me uh out of everything that happened with the fox and disney merger you know, Avatar certainly did continue to stay strong through um, all the changing and moving parts to it. So you you could be right. I mean, financially, um, it is one of those things where, yeah, maybe Disney didn't want to invest all of that money right away to kind of see how these first two films wind up doing to complete the trilogy at least. And I feel like from some of the things that we have read so far from whether that be um, James Cameron himself or other people that have talked about this, that these movies do feel very much like they could be standalone films. Like when I look at Avatar, I I see that movie wrapping up and I don't necessarily see anything that screams, you know, there's more story to tell here in a sequel, but it also keeps it very much open to, hey, if you wanted to tell a story, there's plenty here. You know, this world is is that huge. So I think you might be right in the sense that I think these movies not only could stand alone, but maybe we can get ourselves a complete trilogy and not necessarily have that sense of um, it feeling incomplete. And we need these last two films. But um, I, look, I think James Cameron's track record of success uh, shows that um, anytime he's attached to a film, it especially if he's a director, big things financially will certainly happen. Um, so I, I do think that's a, a, a good possibility there. You know, the article also does mention that when it comes to Avatar, two and three are dropping back to back in the sense of 2023 and 2024. I do think that's kind of a great approach in that sense because I think maybe after we see how maybe even the third avatar does if it does well financially and it's uh, a critical success after we see the second avatar movie if it is i can see disney maybe green lighting production then mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe them diving into the next two films so that the wait maybe isn't as long um but uh but who knows uh, were you under the impression that he was going to be do- directing all f- all four that all these movies were coming out originally I know that's what what he said the plan said, was, right? but okay. like uh, I don't know. To me, that always sounded like a weird idea. The idea of doing like four movies all at once. Uh, I I I don't know. It doesn't surprise me that that's not what he's doing. That he's just going to be doing two and three, and then four and five afterwards. I think that's a smarter way to do it. Honestly, even if it wasn't his choice, even if it was Disney's choice, it's like well. I think that's something that actually might help you then as a filmmaker, because now you can actually just focus on making these two really solid films. And then if they work out, then continue on afterwards. 
Yeah, you might you might be right in that regards, um, Stuart. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Listen, people have already been hesitant because they've had to wait so long for these movies. So I do wonder if there's a level of uh, people that are a little bit bummed to be like, man, you mean you haven't even started on four and five yet? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, man, thing, plans certainly change uh, over time, to say the least. So I was a little bit bummed reading that article, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so Rob does say he directed Alita Battle Angel. And while I'm, he may not necessarily made a good movie overall, he made the most visual appealing one. And just to correct you, Sarab, it's actually Robert Rodriguez that directed Alita Battle Angel. But Stuart, I believe you mentioned to me there was some pushback from James Cameron in regards to that, right? Was there? Uh, I thought I thought I he I that. thought I thought he complained uh that the, he thinks the movie would have been better had he directed it. Like the movie would have he thought the movie would have made more. Like he questioned some of Robert's directing choices interesting uh i gotta look this up that's kind of uh that's <laughs> kind of interesting yeah look that up because I, I thought so but yeah so just to clarify james cameron did not direct alita battle angel he did executive produce and co-write the movie itself um and i actually walked away really enjoying i actually walked away really enjoying the movie i remember seeing the trailers of it uh and thought oh that looks fascinating i might have to give it a shot because i remember um the manga for sure and i just remember Going to the movies, there wasn't a lot of people in the movie. I didn't really have kind of any expectation for it. But when I walked away, I just thought to myself, wow, like this is a movie that everybody has to certainly go ahead and check out. I did a, a huge review for it also, um, and uh, I was a really big fan of it. There definitely is room for a sequel to Alita Battle Angel, and I am kind of curious if that's one of the things that maybe James Cameron is talking about. I hope that he would eventually complete that and give us a sequel at some point in time. Who certainly knows, but I appreciated it, certainly the movie for what it was. Um, I, I do think maybe... Maybe if it had James Cameron's name attached as director, maybe financially it would have done a little bit more. But I, I didn't have a problem with how Robert handled it at all. Yeah, I, I don't see anything from James Cameron talking shit to uh, Robert Rodriguez. No, all I, don't I think see it was is talking shit so much. But what did you would you find? Oh, uh, the only thing I found was uh, he did have he did get mad at fans that were uh, early on like uh, already criticizing the mill the 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 film because of her eyes uh, being really big. I guess that that's like the only thing he uh, reacted to when it came to the movie, and it wasn't even the movie itself. It was more he's reacting to the people reacting to the uh, trailer. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I thought I read an article somewhere that. Um... Oh, I see what you're saying though. His response to the haters and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I'll definitely try to look into that more because uh, that, that'd be surprising to me. Yeah, I thought I heard someplace that he thought that the movie would have made more money um, had Robert Rodriguez made some different uh, choices. But um, but yeah, I, I, I maybe I'll have to look it up also again. But um, yeah, guys, go ahead and let us know your thoughts in regards to this news about James Cameron possibly not directing four and five as it seems like it's still up in the air as to whether or not four and five will even happen, guys. So go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. And uh, with that, guys, I think that will wrap up all of our main topics today. And Stuart, I think you know what time it is, sir. It is time for live viewer questions, questions, questions. And uh, if anything, let me, um, uh, here we go. Submit your live viewer questions to uh, YouTube page. Put 
community tab in the future. So I'll save that for right now so that in the future, Stuart, when we post it, boom, submit to YouTube page, community oh, tab. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and uh, for that for, for future references. Um, but right now, we will get into live viewer questions. Um, if anything, when it comes to the community tab, I don't know what day we should post it. Maybe I'll post it like on Wednesdays in the middle of the week to launch live viewer questions. And then maybe throughout the week, you guys can certainly go ahead and submit your questions. And I might even throw uh, another one up there on Fridays or Saturdays for you guys to go ahead and submit your stuff. Um, let's see here. All right. Let's let's. <laughs> Let's start with this marathon of questions, Stuart. See right. how fast we can uh, how fast we can get into this. Um, Marcelino's got some. I, I wish I could pull up the email in here, but he's definitely got some uh, Black Panther a villain joke in here. Um, I can't I can't pull it up, but uh, he does say, um, "What are your thoughts on the controversy?" Oh, this is a good one, Stuart. Um, I should have I should have sent this one to you beforehand to, for you to go ahead and do your own research for it, But I forgot. I'm sorry, Stuart. What are your thoughts on the controversy of Disney ripping off the Predator fan film to be used as the plot for the Prey movie? Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, Stuart, but the Prey movie, I believe we talked about it a couple of weeks ago in regards to the trailer of uh, seeing like the. Uh, the Native American uh, warrior facing off against uh, the predators. Um, and apparently there's been some pushback because uh, there was a fan film, I believe called predator warrior or warrior predator um, that kind of dealt with the idea of, again, I think it's only like a two, maybe five minute fan film. It's not very long uh, of uh, Native American. It seems as though, facing off against um facing off against uh a predator and i guess there's been some pushback from some people saying hey look disney kind of ripped this off of this guy's fan film creation um so i did go ahead and do a little bit of research i did go ahead and at least watch it uh as of last week and when i watched it are there some similarities absolutely at least in regards to the idea of you know, this, um, um, I don't know if she was a Comanche warrior or whatever the case may be in, um, uh, in the fan film or not, but it very much looks like, Hey, these two, both these films, uh, utilizing the idea of a native American, uh, in this particular time period facing off against uh, a predator. And to me, Stuart, you know, I feel like that's the only similarity that I see between these two. Um, I mean, I know the idea looks like, hey, it looks like they just ripped this out of the trailer itself. But I feel like when you've got like a, a two-minute or five-minute fan film compared to an entire hour and a half, maybe two-hour film, if the similarity is simply just a warrior facing off against a predator, uh, I think you're going to need more, more similarities than that uh, for me to feel like, Hey, Disney stole this fan this fan film guy's idea. Um, I think it's just more coincidence than anything. But um, what do you think in that regard, Stuart? I know you didn't really have the opportunity to check out the full trailer or fan film, 
But when it really is just a battle sequence between a predator and a Native American, um, is that too much of a similarity from what Prey is trying to establish as predator? Uh, or do you think there needs to be more connective pieces to before we start judging the idea that Disney stole somebody's idea? Um, I am kind of going under the idea that this is probably a coincidence. And, uh, I think like, um, even there's really not even dialogue in this either. Yeah. And even if it isn't, even if like, you know, this fan film kind of is what sparked the idea, I do think that, you know, similar idea, but like, you know, even if the idea is similar, they look like two completely different uh, movies altogether. Cause like I have them both open side by side. I'm looking at the fan film and then I'm looking at the uh, trailer for prey and yeah, I think like uh, apart from the Native American aspect, there's not really anything else that they, these two have in common. Uh, it seems like um, what one movie's doing is like one of them is, yeah, I don't know. The, the fan film seems more personal because it's just about one character, whereas like the movie seems like it's a lot bigger than that. Like it's about like an entire tribe. So yeah, again, I, I would say it's like similar and it could be because uh, they got the idea from here, but I don't really think saying that they ripped it off is fair uh, because it seems like they're definitely taking their own spin on it uh it's kind of like the uh kimba the white lion versus lion king controversy like on the surface mm. when you look at certain aspects of it it can like look very similar but then when you actually kind of like look into it and i highly recommend watching uh, your movie sucks is uh like overall thoughts on uh, kimba the white lion because he kind of goes a lot into a lot more detail about it and he actually watches like the entire series it's crazy but he points out how like you know through through a lot of episodes of Kimba, you're going to get elements of uh, things that are going to be similar to the Lion King just from pure coincidence. Cause it'd be weirder if there weren't similarities. I mean, you got uh, a story about a lion that takes place in Africa. So obviously like, mm -hmm. you know, with the two of them both being about, Oh, and the fact that they're both Kings. So obviously similarities are going to play out, but it's not necessarily ripping it, uh, anything off. It's just a, you know, a pure coincidence. And that's kind of how I feel with uh, this, you know, similarities, but nothing, I wouldn't say I'd say it's unfair to say it's ripping it off. Yeah, I would agree too. I like maybe if the fan film itself was like 20, 25 minutes and we had more plot line, storyline details, and we could really start making the connections there. But I I will I also even think like past predator movies have kind of automatically given sort of this landscape of the fact that, you know, predators have been visiting this world for, for years in regards to mm -hmm. using it as a, a place of hunting sort of thing. Right. So, um, you know, I, I can easily see a fan film, uh, taking that concept and idea and, and working around it, uh, along with any other filmmaker that kind of comes along also, because I believe that that type of stuff's already been planted in the world. So I think this is just uh, more of a, a coincidence, um, more than anything else. Um, Jessica Friedman, what would you like to see in the next season of Stargirl, Stuart? Season three is about to drop this August, towards the end of August. Anything particular you would like to see this season? I'd like to see some conflict between uh, Stripes and uh, Starman, specifically around how to uh, train Courtney as the new Stargirl, because it seems like uh, from the way they ended things in season two, uh, like uh, Starman was all for like, hey, you know, you're a superhero. You don't need school. Superhero or being a superhero is now your new full time job, whereas Pat really wants her to have like an actual childhood. So mm -hmm. I feel like there's going to be some discourse there. And I think that would be kind of interesting. 
that would be pretty interesting. I definitely would love to check that out. I, I still haven't watched season two yet, Stuart. Um, so I am behind in regards to Eclipso. Yeah. I, I, oh I my God. You're gonna, yeah. You got to watch it. Like Eclipso is such an amazing villain. Cause he's like genuinely terrifying at times. Oh yeah, my that's God. What, that's what I hear. Even Breck Basinger at uh fan expo Dallas talked a little bit about just how terrifying he was uh, on set sort of thing. So uh, I find that interesting. Um, Jericho Gonzalez. Why is it that DC is, much better when it comes to the TV world with the Hourverse than the DCEU movie universe. Don't you also wish that they were just in one big universe? We did have a cameo with both flashes from TV and movie met each other on screen in a weird hallucination. Well, it wasn't a weird hallucination. Um, that was a crisis on infinite earths where it actually had both flashes meeting each other and the point of crisis on infinite earths was to establish that yes the movie and television world are connected in this bigger multiverse sort of situation kind of similar to what we have here in, in marvel right now but um the arrowverse definitely got to it first in regards to bringing that concept and idea to life so uh the dceu movies and the television movies are very much so connected in the sense of at least a multiverse um and i think what helps the dc be better at the tv world is mark guggenheim and berlanti greg berlanti uh, i think they have had a unified vision uh in regards to the world that they want to create and the connective tissues towards it and i think when you've got those two sort of shepherding where the shows go which shows debut how they're connected uh when you've got that hive mind working together uh, i think the connective tissues uh work pretty well for our verse compared to what we wind up getting in the dceu where's management has just been a revolving door unfortunately yeah pretty pretty well said that's uh that's exactly what i would say too it's like it feels like the arrowverse for a while had a very specific direction or it's like because of you know management constantly changing with the dceu it's just it felt like there was never like a specific di direction they wanted to stick with yeah absolutely um good old carlo bernardo what are some super underrated villains from power rangers and other franchises that you would like to be used and acknowledged more any underrated villains from Power Rangers mm. and other franchises? Um, underrated villains. I'm trying to think of some other people. Mm. Well, I'm trying to think of like villains that uh, that I really like that don't get really uh, brought up much, and uh, mm. and also like what would make who would make sense to kind of come back. I kind of always want to always see more of Scorpina. I, I don't know if you would characterize her as underrated. I feel like she's been utilized pretty well, maybe a little bit more in the comic books. Um, I really enjoyed her coinless universe storyline that she had with uh, Kimberly Hart uh, from Boom Studios. I think it was the Lord Draken miniseries. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more Scorpina, honestly, if we're talking Power Rangers at least. Yeah, actually, um, that would also be kind of cool because, uh, you know, the the uh, Tommy comic book, what was it called? Like Path of the Dragon or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she ended up being kind of the main villain in that comic book. So, you know, we, we know that she's been alive this whole time. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so user, user, guys. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Jackson Peterson. Uh, is it just me 
But I have realized for a short while that Doctor Strange as a character, he seems to have an excellent dynamic with kids than adults like Peter Parker and America Chavez. What other characters uh, in the MCU, DCEU or Power Rangers have really great dynamics with certain characters versus others? Um, you know, I think um, uh, I, I've always loved the dynamic between um, The Flash and uh, Black Lightning. Oh yeah, uh, I uh, we we got it teased briefly in Crisis, and then again in uh, the beginning of season eight, I believe, with the five part crossover. Was that the beginning? That was the beginning of season eight, right? Yeah, uh, I yeah, I really loved them on uh, on screen together. So yeah, I definitely would love to have seen more of uh, more of that combination, Black Lightning and uh, the Flash. Um, wait, sorry. Was the question specifically about like just characters in general, or did it? Uh, specify, uh, yeah. So uh, he point he points out Doctor Strange is having a really great dynamic with like the teen heroes in MCU, like Peter Parker and America Chavez. So he's asking what other characters in the MCU, DCEU, or Power Rangers have really great dynamics with certain characters. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of another one. Like, um, I don't know. It's just like, it's weird. Cause like, I can think of, uh, quite like a lot kind of, but at the same time, I'm not really sure if, if that would specifically, what yeah. are you thinking? You have one that you're thinking of like, okay. So one that I find really interesting, that's been kind of being, that's kind of been getting fleshed out in the last couple seasons of the Arrowverse shows is like Diggle, who seems to have like a good relationship with almost every single person, like in the Arrowverse off screen, though, because uh -huh. it, it'll be kind of interesting how he'll kind of come into each episode and he'll be talking to everyone as if he's like uh known them as well as he has the uh, characters from Arrow. Uh, like specifically with Supergirl, I thought that was like kind of the more interesting one because we don't really see him interacting mm. with the characters on that show that much, but like in that particular episode, it was almost like you would have thought they had been best friends. For like years you know yeah no I, I definitely get what you're saying there for sure uh let's see here um what other ones that we got yeah diggle's a great one i, I think diggle can bounce off of like anybody yeah um gabriel um i saw last week's episode of a plus here report and one of the topics you guys talked about was superman and lois retconning the Arrowverse. we know that behind the scenes had uh, something with the pandemic the show hasn't really connected most of the second season i honestly have not watched the series at all so i apologize um do you think the show no longer being connected is a good thing considering what has happened uh with the cw since warner brothers merger uh we know that our verse for the most part hasn't really made any sense especially with the flash series superman and lois is a hbo max produced show anyways while still airing on cw um how do you see the future of Arrowverse going forward, especially with season nine of the Flash possibilities? Um, um, yeah, I, for for the Superman and Lois not being connected to the Arrowverse, I wouldn't necessarily call it a good thing or a bad thing. I would just say that. Uh, it's like on the one hand, it gives them more flexibility with the universe, but on the other hand, it means that there's uh, less potential for different characters to uh, come in. Or if they, you know, if they had uh, characters from other Arrowverse shows come in, then you have to go through the whole thing of having to introduce them because obviously, you know, these characters aren't going to know who they are. So you kind of miss that benefit of being able to just have, like, let's say the Flash, for example, the Flash and Superman just immediately getting along right off the bat. So I don't know. 
I guess it really depends on how you look at it. If you want to see like a, a, a new character get introduced in Superman and Lois and uh, see them happen to kind of like start from scratch with uh, introductions in that school. But if you kind of were hoping that it could be the same characters and they could just pick things up where they left off, then it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, no, I'll definitely um, take your word for it, man, when it comes to Superman and Lois. I, I really haven't caught up this season, um, so I definitely trust your opinion on that. Uh, Chris Crossman, what are some advantages and disadvantages of shows or movies having continu- having continuation or as a whole being an animation rather than live action? So I'm assuming what are some advantages or disadvantages of a show or movie having continuity um, as a whole being an animation rather than live action. Um, you know, I will take, I, I will take one, of uh, one aspect of this. Um, for some reason, my head goes to the Witcher. Um, as we've had two seasons of the Witcher and they introduced us to an animated movie. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it dealt with, uh, uh Gerald's, um his his uh, his teacher i believe i believe it was the person that taught him how to be a witcher is is the is what the movie focuses on and then we get introduced to his teacher in the second season so there are connective tissues there and for me it, it really even though the movie itself was in animation and season 2 was live action it did the job of at least um us getting the opportunity to learn the history and the lore of his mentor. So we immediately know what type of person he's been through his life, if you will. Um, and then when we see him in season two, we definitely have uh, that background information on him uh, and the bigger world that is established in season two. So I think it could be really beneficial like because the animation – was even able to go ahead and create monsters and magic and things like that, that the live action couldn't. Uh, and it just made the action and story just that much more dynamic, but it did a great job of laying the groundwork for us being introduced to that character in the second season. So I think, I think it's, it's a huge advantage. It can really work depending on um, the, the franchise maybe that you're working with though. Do you have any other examples of that Stuart? Uh, yeah, I just say the biggest advantage is uh, budget being able to show things that like would be physically impossible to show in an actual like live action uh, movie. Uh, I know that they definitely kind of had some fun with that with the Arrowverse when it came to a couple of like the animated uh, spinoffs that were on the CWC like uh, Vixen and uh, um, it wasn't called Crisis on Earth X, but it was like the prequel to Crisis on Earth oh, X. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, it, it was funny because I wanted to look up the name of the movie that you were talking about, the animated Witcher movie, and I came across something on Netflix that I didn't know existed. Um, it is a 59-minute uh, video of the fireplace from Witcher that you can just pull up on, on the, your full screen. So if you don't have a fireplace but you want the illusion of a fireplace, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, the, the name of the movie was called uh, uh, Nightmare of the Wolf nightmare of the wolf that's what it was yeah some uh, great animation man great animation if you guys haven't checked it out um alexander rosario um this is just me but when it comes to power rangers the rights situation always confused me when it comes to how tv series aren't allowed to use any of the movie footage with the exception of the sentai footage of beast morphers with all the former dino rangers from mmpr through dino charge 
A second one was that the MMPR could never use the costumes or references of the 95 movie, except the Tango Warriors being used by rewording uh, the names as Tengu or like spelling them differently. Uh, Warriors as uh, a small loophole. What do you guys think of these right issues, these rights issues? Any other so you any other so you wish you would be used or used more in either tv or other movie universes uh, so i don't know that last situation but the last question but what do we think about the rights issues in regards to um how they're utilized uh, i would assume in um in movies or power rangers well the the one with the movies makes the uh, most sense because uh you know just because super sentai the show is produced by toei uh the movies kind of have to go through a few other uh studios in order to you know go into theater so there's other production studios that may have a say in whether or not they want to sell the, the rights to the movies and it makes sense of why they have to go and and it's not necessarily it, it's more like just that they're in a in a separate thing that they would have to pay extra money for i guess you could say uh, or maybe i'm wrong about that but as far as i know the way the rights work is that if they want to use footage from the movies it's like they have to you know pay like a separate fee than they do with you know the the show itself but i could be wrong about that as for the fox movie though and them not being allowed to use uh costumes or anything from that movie i didn't know that but it suddenly makes sense now why like uh season three like completely kind of ignores the movie's Ignore continuity it. so it makes sense because they weren't allowed to I remember as a fan, I watched the movie and I remember thinking, hey, next season is just going to pick up from this. And when they completely changed things around or added its own story to fit like for TV, the fact that they had the Tango Warriors, I was like, OK, that's weird. Like they're keeping the continuity from that. But like the idea of them changing up the Ninjetti powers and not changing it up, but like how they got them and stuff compared to the movie it was uh, it was definitely weird to me. So I didn't understand that growing up as a kid. But I guess um I mean, God, it was under Fox, right? I guess that is a question that I personally even have, too, is the sense that I know it's you're showing this show on Fox. Why can't the movie stuff work just as well for the TV stuff? So that's a big head scratcher for me, too, uh, Stuart. Uh, but I will say in, in other regards, like the 2017 movie uh, compared to like what Jonathan Entwistle is creating now, right? Like it's that's definitely not going to be a sequel uh, and I wouldn't expect Hasbro to make a sequel because I, I would assume because the 2017 Power Ranger film was done under a completely different production company. Like they probably, I would assume, maybe own those rights um, and other people can't necessarily just unless maybe they Hasbro purchases purchases them. I don't know how that works. How do you think that works, Stuart? Uh, I think it just depends on whether or not the studio would want to hold on to the the rights and the props because, uh, you know, why would they? It's not like it's really making them any money. So, you know, if they if they like ne like don't necessarily want it anymore, I could see them being willing to sell it to Hasbro for like not too much money. I get you. I get you. Uh, let's see here. We got Francois Dupont uh, saying my thoughts on the name power ranger cosmic fury because i couldn't help myself asking this but since the alleged title of the 30th season of power rangers being cosmic fury with the sentai series q ranger possibly being adapted do you think this could work even with the season itself rumored to be short and worrisome of there being 10 rangers again since dino supercharge i remember simon bennett expressed his thoughts this past year when fans were outraged about one of the older sentai series being impossible to be adapted 
He says, in my perspective, older series, Lost Galaxy, and Dino Fury to a lesser extent proves that PR can be possible and will make anything space-themed should they choose. I understand others may refuse to let themselves get excited uh, for a Q-Ranger adaption until they see an official line from Hasbro on the matter, also assuming that the uh, use of Fury could mean a relationship with Dino Fury. What are the odds of a turbo-in-space situation? Could be Zeto and Ion going into the next team while the others stay on Earth. What do you think, Stuart? I mean, that's exactly how I hope they end the season. Um, you know, Q Ranger is probably the number one season I really want them to adapt. If they adapt a season, uh, Cure Major would be like my number two. Uh, but if they end up just, but like more than anything, I think I do just want them to make it like completely original costumes, original everything for the 30th season. I don't think they'll do that, but if they do that, that'd be my number one preference. But, uh, you know, I think Cosmic Fury is a cool name too. Like, let me just say this right now. Uh, Mr. Simon Bennett, I know you're probably not watching this uh, uh, podcast he right is, now, but if you are, he oh, is not. Okay. Just, no, <laughs> if he is, uh, let me just tell you right now if you don't use the name Cosmic Fury, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm going to riot, but no, oh, no, no. no, I'm just going to steal the name, is, is all. Like, I, yeah, I'm definitely cool using that name if he's not. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool name. I would be completely okay with it. Um, we'll see if that's where they land. Um, you know, Look, I, I will say this, Francois. I feel like a lot of the things that you're you've, you're saying, I can definitely relate to. Uh, we did do a video in regards to Cosmic Fury, which is up on our YouTube page, where I emphasized exactly um, my thoughts on how I would like to see them utilize this for from three different perspectives: using Q Ranger, using Kara Major. Or even the idea of using Dino Fury as a possibility for Cosmic Fury. And I think there's a, a little bit of everything in there. Uh, the, one of the things that I mentioned in that previous video was, you know, while Simon Bennett did say when it comes to Q-Ranger, the idea of adapting them and having to create um, storylines and character arcs for all those characters, uh, it just wouldn't do itself justice and i i personally think that that's very much true i i still very much believe in simon bennett's point of view the pushback that i gave in my video though was the idea that you know that's that's an issue if you are having to introduce us to new characters you know one of the rumors has always been that if this is good this might be a mashup of different characters uh from uh, or uh characters that we've seen before but maybe from past seasons of power rangers and if we've already established those characters in past seasons i think the idea of having a shorter season in here kind of benefits the idea of q ranger that we have so many returning characters that we don't necessarily need to explore them as much as you would say uh, a new team of characters that we're being introduced to for the first time. So I do think that there is a way to pull this off of utilizing the Cure Ranger, uh, the Cure Ranger suits, um, and not have to worry about the character building because we're bringing in familiar faces. Um, and the idea of Fury connecting the Dino Fury, I can easily see that happening. Um, one of the things that I mentioned was. I would be fascinated to see, do they wrap up the storyline of Rafcon in this story? Um, is it a case of after season two of Dino Fury that's still a mystery and Zato and Ion decide to go on their own uh, their own way to try and locate Rafcon? That's also a possibility too. I mean, who knows? They, they may wrap it up. 
Um, but if we're getting cosmic and cosmic could mean space, it could mean a, a plethora of other things. I do think there is a world that we live in where this team is made up of at least maybe one or two Dino Fury Rangers, maybe some connective tissues from the finale of season two, but very much more dependent on the new character Yen, uh, who may be the leader of this uh, new team of Rangers. So I, I think there is something to what you're saying, Francois, and that's something that we kind of explored a little bit also in our video. So definitely go ahead and check it out if you haven't done so already. Um, Kurt Moreno, what's up, Kurt? What is some of your guys' favorite movie and TV show subplots that were better or on par with the actual main plot? Uh, and if we can't answer that, what do you think Superman and Lois series does better or equal to to Supergirl and other Arrowverse shows? Do you want to take that one? I'll take the Superman and Lois one. Yeah, I think uh, something that that show does real. I'd say it's on par with Black Lightning in this sense, but I think it does that like really good, like taking that Incredibles feel and then bringing it to like a live action series and just having it be like, you know, a really good family focused show, making the characters feel like real relatable people first and then ser superheroes second. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a great comparison. Um, I'm trying to think of. <laughs> a favorite movie or TV show where the subplot was better or on par with the actual main plot. Hmm. Cause I, I know for a fact, this is going to be one where if I don't think of something, uh, it's going to like, eat at me. Yeah. Or, or at the, it's going to come to be like at the very end of the show, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, Hmm damn that's a tough one man um oh i'll give you book of boba fett oh <laughs> that's that's very true <laughs> i'll give the you book of boba fett the mandalorian subplot was so much better than the and uh, of the main plot itself and i you know listen I, I when it comes to book of boba fett i enjoyed what they did with his stuff about the tuscan raiders i thought that was actually pretty cool to kind of see how he escaped the pit and form that bond with the Tuscan Raiders but after that you know his whole to become the new mob boss or whatever the new leader of Tatooine or that you know most Espa whatever the place was I eventually I stopped really caring about that when the subplot of the Mandalorian took over for me so I think that's probably my my choice there you got one Stuart uh I got two now Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So first one, uh, McLovin storyline in uh, Superbad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I think it was probably just as entertaining as like the main storyline with the two main characters. I don't even remember uh, what the main storyline was now when Superbad. Were they trying to go to the same college? Right. Uh, that well, two... that was that was part of it. That was like kind of a subplot within the main plot, but it was more like just the two characters, uh, you know, kind of growing apart, but like wanting oh, to yeah. hold on to that friendship. And so yeah, at the yeah. end, kind of you know, realizing that they they may go their separate ways, that but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Um, but then the other one, which I would actually say is probably better because it has a lot more kind of personal stake, or I guess the personal stakes are about equal now that I think about it. But uh, the prince's uh, bride with Inigo Montoya 
Uh, oh yes. yeah, yeah, that's like, a great one. Yeah, he and the main character wanted the same thing, or you know, both had something against the main villain. Uh, it's just that one was like more of a personal past history, one was like a present history. So yeah. that's a great one. That's a great one. Not taking anything away from the Princess Bride in general, because that's a fantastic movie. But that was a great subplot for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh. Iba say, what's up, Iba say? Why? last airbender movie failed he said since you guys talked about the new live action avatar series last week i saw the movie when i was little and wow it was boring my parents saw the film with me and i remember asking them if they liked it they said it was really boring the director m night Shyamalan, kept trying to fix things that didn't need to be fixed the name pronunciation thing is a good example the ones in the film were closer to how actual asian people would pronounce those names but it ended up confusing all the existing fans and in the end barely anything else in the movie tried to be true to asian cultures in any way um on the bright side the girl who played katara ended up being michael bay affide in transformers the last night as the hot daughter of mark Wahlberg's character that was her i didn't realize that thank you for bringing that up obviously yeah, that movie failed for a lot of reasons, for sure. Yeah. Um, Michael Rhymes, as a kid, one of my favorite things to watch on TV was a Transformers animated series. What do you wish would have been taken from the cartoon for the live action universe? And some did that, some that did not need to be taken. So what do you wish would have been taken from the cartoon to the live action universe? Or some things that you don't think needed to be taken? Um I think uh, the idea of Energon cubes uh, being multiple instead of it just being kind of the one thing I kind of like better because then it becomes, I don't know, it, it, instead of having just relying on one MacGuffin, it becomes like uh, kind of a, well, then again, actually, I kind of take that back because the more I think about it, that works for television doesn't necessarily work so much for a movie. So I actually take that back. Uh, the number one thing I wish they kind of took from the cartoon was a lot of the designs because it felt like uh, with the Transformers mm -hmm. movie, they put a lot of effort into uh, Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and then a little effort into Megatron. And that was it because a lot of the other robots blended together a little bit like too much at times. And I get that like the technology for this was like very new. So, you know, it hadn't quite been perfected yet, but I do kind of wish um, I think it might have been easier too if they made the design simpler because I think because they made it so complicated, it just it was so hard at times to like kind of believe that they were actually there and that these like kind of machines could actually exist in this world. Uh, I think they just over designed a lot of them, and unfortunately, because they put more effort than they needed to, and it ended up looking worse. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, those are some great ones that I think that you nailed. Uh, honestly um you know while i definitely enjoyed watching transformers growing up as a kid i don't necessarily know if i was like hooked on it growing up so like as far as things from the cartoon i can't re even recall i remember once they transformed the kids and the humans they weren't necessarily inside of the transformers but they did drive them around a lot when they were in their regular mode right like car mode. yeah when they were cars yeah um, I know we saw that a little bit in Bumblebee and even a little bit in the beginning of the Transformers movie with uh, Shia. It always felt like the car that everybody drove was Bumblebee in the movies. I kind of would have liked to have seen other cars having been driven. I, I can't recall too much of that, though. Um, I mean, they had some really cool, like, transforming sequences where they were maybe driving and then the robot would, like, thrust them out and then they would transform and then grab them sort of thing. 
Um, so I, I kind of would love to have seen a little bit more of that, but I, I really don't have too much, honestly, taken away from it. Um, and Nicole Robertson says, crazy that Thor is the first adventure to have four MCU films. While people had mixed reactions to Thor the dark, to the Dark World, it's pretty clear people still go and see Thor anyway. Do you like that Thor movies became more comedic or lighthearted with Thor 3, Ragnarok, and the now upcoming Love and Thunder? Um... Well, for me, I will say I appreciate the idea of having been able to see another side of Thor. You know, I didn't have a problem with the tone of the first two films. Um, but the switch up was certainly appreciative. Um, simply because I do think that this kind of lands a little bit better in Chris Hemsworth's wheelhouse in regards to maybe who he is as a person or how he expresses himself and so i feel like we've established even more chris hemsworth as thor than we ever have before um and while i haven't seen thor love and thunder yet i do appreciate the comedic aspect but there also being some emotion still involved and then not necessarily being all comedic but I do know that it probably has uh, expanded in that sense since Ragnarok. But I think Taika Waititi might be able to handle it. Again, I haven't seen this uh, this this latest Thor movie, so I'm not quite sure. But um, one, it does surprise me that Thor, of all people, is the first one to get his fourth. But completely understandable after having seen Ragnarok and the switch up, which is appreciated. What about you, though? What do you think, Stuart? Um. Like, for me, I don't really have a preference in uh, how Thor stories are told, but I'll say this. I definitely like the Taika Waititi movies more than the uh, first two. Um, but I, you know, I just think it's because they're more solidly written and uh, at times better directed. Like, I do really like the first Thor movie, but I wasn't yeah. a fan of uh, Thor Dark World. So um, if they, you know, wanted to try to keep it in that same direction as they had for the first two for their third one and ended up failing again. Um, or sorry. Yeah, it, it makes sense that they wouldn't want to take it into the same direction because then if it failed again, then it's like they basically made a bad trilogy simply because they couldn't learn from their mistakes. So I kind of like the fact that they decided to take like this kind of more bolder approach and decide to like, hey, you know, instead of kind of, uh, you know, going with what we tried already with two different movies and they weren't like the not that they were. Uh, flops or anything but you know the first two Thor movies weren't well, like quite as successful as other MCU movies uh, it makes sense they wanted to take it to a whole new direction because at that point it's like what do you have to lose from trying something new and I think in this case it definitely paid off uh, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to go back to kind of the more like uh, less comedic more uh, fantasy-esque aspect of uh, the Thor movies for Thor 5 but I also don't mind the comedic aspect that they introduced in the third one and they kept going in the fourth one yeah i don't i don't i don't mind it either uh let's see here uh morgan hutchinson what's up morgan um out of all the limited series that came out since streaming services became a thing either revivals of old shows and movies or continuation of huge movies what are some of your favorites so out of streaming services since they've become a thing any series uh or movies that have become some of your favorites 
Hmm. On streaming service. Uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, when it comes to series, I mean, you got Stranger Things and uh, Daredevil, you know, on Netflix that have definitely become some of my favorite uh, shows. And then same with Inside Job and uh, BoJack Horseman. Mm. Um, you know, dis- on Disney Plus, I really enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And of course, I think Mandalorian is like one of the most perfect shows you could have ever made for uh, for expanding the Star Wars universe um i yeah those are some great ones um i would even add the boys um, oh yeah it's been pretty incredible umbrella academy has been a fan favorite of mine uh i am just dabbing I, right now i think the two series i'm watching right now the boys in umbrella academy to get caught up on their third seasons uh but you named um you named, you named uh some great ones for sure there Stuart um i'm sure there's plenty of other ones man i can just keep going on and on about oh yeah like i mean uh if we were to do uh like the hbo max stuff then it's like oh i got a giant list peacemaker doom patrol (laughs) oh yeah we keep going on and on forever man um um some power ranger theories from atharv i don't know who that is are you guys just smashing the buttons on the keys now at this point uh let's come up with names uh one i believe i further believe turbo and zeal powers were copied just in case things went south for those teams explaining why tj and justin were still able to become the red and blue turbo rangers for the in space and wild frost crossovers that feature them um he also says gosai gosai claimed it was an upgrade on the mega force powers but this was a lie they were separate powers together all together uh, Jack the Black Mega Forest Ranger noticed his pirate form is green and almost figures out what's going on, only for Gosai to tell him there's a simple explanation for that, though it's never elaborated on. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I think Gosei is ashamed of his criminal past and wanted to bury the pirate rangers forever, but when the Mega Force powers weren't enough to get the job done, he took them out of retirement, yet never had the heart to tell his team the dark secret behind those powers. That's what I said. like that theory. Gosei okay. was a pirate at some point, and uh, you know the the first morphs that we see them doing in Mega Four Season One might have just been a fraction of the overall power that you know came with the power keys. It could be that he just completely separated that from the uh, the Super Mega Force like power. I, I forget the names of what they call them, but like you know the 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 pirate morphers. It could be that he took the uh, first Mega Force uh, uh, like thing from that uh, upgrade. So that he, it would look like they were two separate power ups, but they were originally part of the same one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I feel that. like there's kind of ways you could do that, and that would make sense. No, I, I can totally see that too. Uh, so that's a great one. Thank you for uh, submitting that one. Uh, AJ's got some uh, questions. He says, We know that uh, Chloe Bennett's character of Daisy Johnson, aka Quake, is still around. I found some phase four MCU films that she could possibly return in. He says, uh, Shang-Chi 2. She and actor Simu Liu took a photo together on yeah. social media recently. Chloe reminded everyone that she was pretty much the first Asian superhero in the MCU. Uh, Daisy Johnson, or I should say Chloe Bennett, in regards to that, I would say take up your name again. Uh, that would be fantastic if you really repped your name uh, now that Simu Liu certainly has. Because uh, she did change her name uh, to Daisy Johnson um, from her original name. Or Chloe Bennett uh, from her original name. Because... Um, Unfortunately, you know, people see your last name and they just make assumptions about you and really allows you to lose out on acting parts and careers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, the obvious Secret Invasion series he recommends. There's also the Marvels along with Armor Wars. What MCU Phase 4 projects would you love to see Chloe Bennett return as, as Quake? I think mine's is Secret Invasion. Same. I, I feel like that would make the most sense. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. That's probably where I would like to see her come through at. Carter Matthews. What good aspects or elements from the DCEU do you wish Power Rangers would borrow and make uh, even make better for the next Netflix series? Uh, nothing, please. Don't uh, don't take any blueprints from the DCEU at this point. Um, just do your own thing. What about you? Do you think there's a good aspect or element from the DCEU, though, Stuart? Maybe I'm being pessimistic in that regard. I mean, I do like how uh, diverse the movies feel in terms of like uh, tone and overall, like, uh, you know, even even when it comes to uh, rating, because, you know, when it comes to ratings, you get Marvel constantly wanting to keep everything at PG-13. But I like how the DCEU isn't afraid to go from uh, family friendly to R-rated. So, you know, I like that. Um, I'll even look, I'll even say this. I have appreciated the costume designs for the DCEU. I think they're actually pretty good in regards to the superhero costumes we've gotten out of those particular films. So if there's an element of Power Rangers, I wish that they would borrow from the DCEU. Get you some great uh, costume designers to uh, make a really great suit. That will go a long way. Uh, John Schuyler. Um, while not everyone liked Power Rangers Turbo Movie, I myself quite liked it. It was basically a multi-part episode in the show. The only issue is, of course, the silliness of how Rocky left, how Justin was introduced, or why Turbo Powers were needed in the first place. But let's face it, those issues were forced regardless. Uh, when I was a kid, Turbo blew the MMPR movie out of the water by sheer virtue of just being canon. I remember being so disappointed when I realized the MMPR movie suits weren't coming onto the show, which still makes me sad. I remember, uh, he says, the return of Kimberly, who everyone loves as their bay, <laughs> was an interesting way to transition it to the series as a long pilot and the zero the zord fight was interesting and let's be honest hillary shepherd was amazing i know this is power rangers we're talking about but hillary really sold diva talks and did an amazing job one of the reasons why she's one of my favorite villains despite being comedic and always complained about her failures from other villains uh and then replacing rocky was messy though should have been handled better what do you think yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind Diva Talks as much as other people, but that might be for, like, obvious uh, other reasons. <laughs> I do love how she was clearly there for the dads that were, like, forced to take their kids <laughs> for, to the movies. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> um, crap, what was the other thing I was, uh, what was the other part of the question? Uh, oh, yeah, right. So, the Rocky thing. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, I agree. That was, that was incredibly dumb. Even if you, like, even if the actor was like, hey, I only want to do, like, one or two scenes, I feel like there are a million better ways that you could have written them off, not just having them just, like, randomly fall off, like, uh, off of, like, uh, what, what was he on? I, I can't believe forgot. I just remember he falls off, and then he breaks his leg because he was doing a kick, and I'm just yeah. like, how many kicks have you done in Power Rangers? like this can't be your first time throwing a random kick and it's also like weird that he's nervous about a karate tournament and it's like you've literally fought monsters like giant kaijus like what's scary about a karate tournament <laughs> that's a good one man that's a good one yeah it's like bro how many villains has you faced you worried about facing somebody human now get out of here <laughs> but yeah uh let's see here uh adam perea he's got two emails i will get to his most recent one he says hey you talked about this before but you know simon bennett said about 
Dino Fury season two being smaller number of episodes. How do you think season one would have been if it was even smaller? Uh, even let's say it was already a limited series by Netflix as Saban didn't renew the contract with Nickelodeon. Heck, even Beast Morphers, which was uh, last full series to be under Nickelodeon. So um, just to clarify, Simon Bennett did say not necessarily season two being a smaller number of episodes, but just the series in general. Uh, he mentioned the idea that Dino Fury as a whole was only written to be, I think, 20 or 22 episodes. Um, the rest of that is a filler uh, or at least extra stories that they've had to add on to the main overall story, uh, which I'm assuming probably added a, 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 some great character development and depth and emotions uh, for some of these characters and some of them probably lessons of the day uh, sort of situations, you know? So if anything, how do I think the season would have been if it was even smaller? Um, probably better. Uh, if you ask me, uh, well, I don't want to say if I would say better, I guess I would have to see what the script would have been, but 22 episodes, I think that does allow for uh, some great character development, not to necessarily have to go too overboard, but also enough to tell the story that you certainly want to. And for me, I would I would be completely okay with that because to me, it feels like you're you have a more focus on the story that you're trying to tell, uh, and not necessarily watering it down by stretching it out when it doesn't necessarily need to be. So for me, at least, I think it would have been much uh, much better. Um, and it's already a great season. But I think the focus uh, would would definitely continue to be there. What, what about you, though, Stuart? Are you, you disagree? Uh, surprisingly, yes. And I say uh -huh. surprisingly because normally I'm on your side. Less episodes is always better. Mm -hmm. But uh, for this season in particular, because of how different it feels from like the other Power Rangers seasons it works. and how I've been like really enjoying a lot of the more episodic standalone uh, filler episodes, uh, I, I actually am kind of glad that they got renewed for uh, 44 episodes because even the filler episodes never feel like padding. They still feel mm -hmm. like, you know, enjoyable stories that just are very self-contained. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get what you're saying there for sure, man. Um, uh, I, I really can't complain about this, this series. I've, I've, I've really have loved it. Um, so you're right. Maybe, maybe the idea of us enjoying this season as much as we had, does that mean we maybe don't enjoy it as much because it is lesser episodes? That is definitely an argument for sure. Um, and then he also says, he also says, don't get mad. Please don't get mad. But I kind of think A Plus Hero Report was the channel you guys stopped doing videos on. He says, I mean, the name itself just sounds generic to me. There's already tons of other channels that do videos on Marvel and DC and a bunch of other stuff. I really wish A Plus More Phenomenal became the primary channel going forward. A Plus More Phenomenal screens Power Rangers, and I think many people that are non-Power Ranger fans would discover Power Rangers is still going around. Your channel already has, and he puts 115K subscribers, which is incredible. Uh, some of the recent Power Rangers-related videos you did on Hero Report since your transition seem kind of buried. It just feels like Power Rangers is no longer a priority as it's always Marvel and DC and other stuff that most people know about. Really sorry for saying this. Hey, listen, Adam, I always appreciate your honesty. Uh, I never take things uh, too personally around here. So thank you very much for your thoughts. Um, but just to clarify some things, one, I wish the channel had 115,000 subscribers. Uh, if the channel had that many subscribers, I definitely would not have uh, have concluded it. But the channel has 1,000 
155 subscribers, not 115,000. Uh, that would be ridiculous and awesome all at the same time. Um, so listen, I wouldn't even necessarily say our Power Ranger related videos are buried. Um, we have highlighted two really big um, Power Ranger news that has dropped. The uh, Jenny Klein stuff, um, being the showrunner for the Power Rangers, and then the Cosmic Fury stuff, which actually our Cosmic Fury videos got over like 25 2,500 views as of right now. So it's actually been doing an incredible job. And on our main YouTube page, uh, I've actually imported my A Plus More Phenomenal playlist. Um, so on our main channel, if you scroll through the page, there is Power Ranger content up there with both of the videos attached to our playlist also. You know, listen, I, I tried to do my best to not um, make any uh, any. Uh, to not downplay what this was going to mean for our Power Ranger content on Hero Report. One of the things that I talked about was I would st I'll, I'll still cover Power Rangers. It just may not necessarily be as big of a topic as some of the other things. Uh, you know, one of the things that a part of me has kind of gotten exhausted with, Stuart, a little bit, um, is all the rumors and speculation. And while I don't mind having fun with rumors and speculation, sometimes I really just want to report on actual news. You know, when things become sort of concrete and we have it in play. Um, and so, again, while theorizing and speculating and talking about rumors and stuff is fun, when there is a big topic, we definitely will certainly bring it to your guys' attention and certainly talk about it. And, heck, it's actually caused me to make still individual Power Ranger videos. Um on the channel. And while there's, you know, casting or people, celebrities being brought on for Power Morphicon, I haven't felt like those are big topics to talk about on the channel just because, you know, everybody comes to Power Morphicons. Um, and there's just been a bunch of rumors and speculation. And I, I really want to focus on um, more concrete stuff. And if the news is big enough that comes out of some of these websites, even the Illuminati, we certainly will uh, focus on it. And I also just want to make uh, bring to the attention for some people, you know, before we started A Plus More Phenomenal, we were A Plus Opinions. And we were juggling Power Rangers, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, everything we were doing here at Hero Report, we did at A Plus Opinions. And we wind up garnering over 16,000 subscribers during its time. So... You know, this does work. I actually think A plus here reports a better name than A plus opinions as to what we were certainly calling ourselves. I think it's a much better understanding as to what it is we do certainly talk about around here, especially with our logo design. Um, and for me, I think we have the ability to reach a bigger audience at some point in time if we continue to build it than, say, the Power Ranger community, which you know, is a, a niche, a niche market in and of itself. And while I've always enjoyed being a part of that community and uh, putting a plus more phenomenal at the forefront of that, um, you know, there are other factors playing into that. And it's just me being a, a, a new father, committing myself to spending more time with my family uh, and really recommitting myself to while I love Power Rangers as a franchise it's just not my moneymaker, you know? It's not like where I feel the most expertise and comfortable with at times. Whereas Marvel, DC, I grew up a comic book kid my whole entire life. I've been watching TV and movies my whole entire life along with Star Wars. That's the route that I feel a lot more comfortable in. 
and still using my knowledge of Power Rangers to include them here in this um, in this uh, in this channel as well. So trust me when I say it's very much bittersweet for me to not have a plus more phenomenal or create content for them. Um, but we still will talk Power Rangers here as we did certainly in the honorable mentions part of things. Um, but when Power Rangers does have a big topic to certainly talk about, something that's more concrete, uh, especially with Power Morphicon certainly coming up, I'm sure we'll highlight that here on Hero Report also. It's just that news has been, you know, it's been mm -hmm. kind of um, kind of kind of gone right now. And so we're, you know, I feel like we're in a lull before the storm. And so I, I'm I'm just waiting for more content. But again, Adam, I appreciate your opinions in regards to that, but that would just be my response to some of that also yeah and like the other thing is too with like our advantage of doing power rangers stuff on this channel is that it makes it easier now for us to introduce power rangers to people who might be new to the franchise absolutely pretty soon power rangers is going to be entering the mainstream again once jonathan absolutely. and whistles a uh, new series comes out so this is kind of like our way of being able to get a cool uh, a good jump on uh you know the hype before it actually takes off yeah, I would agree. And I think once we start getting more Hasbro news, um, it definitely will continue to be a big part of what we're cre uh, of what we're doing here, here at Hero Reports. Um, we still will be bringing you guys reviews and stuff in regards to Power Rangers and stuff. Um, but right now, we're just very much in the lull of action. And Stuart makes a good point. You know, we would like Hero Report to eventually be a home for people that either know Power Rangers or are being introduced to Power Rangers for the first time when this Jonathan Entwistle stuff uh, winds up unleashing. Uh, and uh, we'll certainly still be covering it here. It's just unfortunately just not going to be as focused on as it was with here uh, with more phenomenal. And to be honest, there were there were weeks at times when it would just be difficult to even find Power Ranger news. And I would have like one Power Ranger topic and then four or five tokusatsu topics, you know? Um, so I, again, and even what Datilla says here, I don't think people realize just how time consuming running a YouTube channel can be. You know, I was creating six hours of live content every weekend, uh, and that was just taking up so much of my time. There's a reason why it's very difficult, I think, or intimidating for some people outside of myself to host this show. You know, like Indy, I think, does a really great job in regards to carrying it when I'm certainly not here. But for people who aren't used to hosting and having to produce and put the content together and things like that, like all that stuff takes a lot of a lot of time out. So trust me, Adam, it's very bittersweet. I know your feelings, but at the end of the day, this is just uh, better for my own mental health, for my own health of my family, uh, and I think for the health of the channel as well. So. Uh, I do apologize about that, Adam. Um, next up, we got Danny Morales. He says, uh, as you read this, you may have already seen the Thor movie. Um, but if not, if you could predict for the Thor Love and Thunder movie, what do you hope happens right when it begins? Especially if the story follows the comic book storyline of Jane being ill. What MCU character and future project would you like to see in the post credit scene? So as the only person that hasn't seen it here. I would love to see like a Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy fight just right off the bat, jumping into this particular movie. Give me some um, Star-Lord and Thor uh, comedic dialogue back and forth as they're in the middle of a big battle. I would love to see it start off that way. Um, in regards to a post credit scene, um, maybe another introduction to an incursion, um, really hinting at or building up to 
what's already happened and say like Doctor Strange in some way and in other films. Um, so maybe uh, an incursion reference. So we'll see. I would of very unrelated or kind of related, I guess you could technically say, I would love to see Thor actually team up with uh, the Eternals for even if it's not for very long, at least like maybe give him a small cameo in the next Eternals movie. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind seeing that either, um, especially just based off of how different those two movies are. Just seeing those characters in Iraq would be in- would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know, like, or to see, because uh, they have memories of Thor, but obviously mm. those memories aren't real. So that's like another part of the uh, the mythos I'd love to see kind of get explored a little bit. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, let's see here. We also got uh, Power Rangers Legacy. How was your experience of having met an actor and actress at a convention center? What kind of questions have you or would you ever like to ask them if you think – uh, even if you think they've heard a thousand times, um, do you have any experiences, Stuart, in meeting um, actors or actresses at comic conventions? Um, yeah, I. Um, for me, I like to just kind of keep it simple. Like tell them that, hey, I really like enjoy your work, and then uh, I. I I'm really bad at like kind of reading people's vibes. So I always like, I'm trying to see whether or not they, they uh, want me to just like kind of say hi and go away. But like most of the time I do try to see what kind of vibe there they have, whether or not they actually want to like, you know, talk a little bit. Cause like a lot of times when it comes to the, to the uh, power ranger uh, uh, um, stands, usually it's just uh, the actors there. And then, uh, you know, there's usually not a line or anything. So I can never tell, you know, if they want me to, or if they're okay, with me hanging out and then asking a couple of questions so i try my best to get that vibe so most of the time i just say hey i really like your work uh and i try not to just name the things that people most know them for mm. like for uh uh brandon mejia for example i wanted to let him know that hey i really loved you not only as tyler but i loved you in that like uh small scene with american horror story yeah i think that's a good one Stuart. i think anytime you get to meet an actor if you if you reference something else that they've been in outside of what they're most known for, I do think that maybe perks up their ears a little bit and appreciates like, oh, this guy really checks out my work. You know what I mean? Um, Detilla says, when I met Hangman Adam Page, an AEW wrestler, she says, in May, my mind went blank and I told him, I hope you win against Punk. You know, listen, I, I and listen, I can, I can, I can agree with you there, Detilla. Like, Especially if I'm getting an opportunity to get like uh, an autograph or a photo or something. Uh, there are times that I feel like I just go blank. Like I'm like, Adam, don't ask them a stupid question. Don't ask them a stupid question. And my first question is, how did you like working on the show? And I'm like, <laughs> I, feel like I feel like everybody asks them that. Fucking, oh, you were great. You were great in that show. Like I, there's always something I always want to say more of. But once I actually get up there. Uh, it's I go blank too to tell I absolutely do I get a little starstruck a little nervous and I agree with you too Stuart like are they cool with me talking about talking with them can I stay around do you want me to just sign and book it sort of thing you know um, but it's 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 interesting when it comes to like meeting them just either bumping into them or meeting them at their table when you got to think of something like right on the spot it's much more different than when I've like interviewed people like when I've interviewed people, I always try and do my best to do my homework on 
who they are as a person, where they grew up at, um, what got them into filming, what have they worked on before? Because there's a part of me that when it, as an interviewer, I like to ask questions that other people just don't think of, just your non-generic sort of questions, right? Or find mm -hmm. something in their past that uh, either I I knew of, or at least I found really intriguing. Like when I interviewed Karen Ashley, not many people know about this, but she actually was a part of a small like singing group uh, back in the day. Her and her friends uh, were part of like a R&B group. And I remember asking her that question and getting a little bit more clar clarification on it back in 2014. And she was she she wanted she just wanted to talk about it. Like, I don't think anybody really even asks her questions like that. Um, but I think that's what a good interviewer does is they do their homework. There's nothing wrong with asking them one or two questions that maybe they've gotten before, but to be able to elaborate and ask other questions so that you're not just talking about that same thing that everybody talks about, I think really goes a long way. And another key would also be, even if you have questions in mind that you want to talk about, always listen. Don't ask a question, have somebody answer, and then move on to your second question. If there is something, like listen to what they're saying and then elaborate upon that. If you feel like there's uh, something bigger there to go ahead and explore or find some way to connect what they just did to one of your other follow-up questions, if you will, also. Because uh, listening and doing your homework will really go a long way. Um, I, I will say this, the whole like uh, forgetting what to say, like right when you actually meet them, that definitely happened to me with Kevin Conroy. <laughs> like oh, I yeah? was like, I was like, uh, kind of thinking in my head, okay, you know, uh, I'm just gonna be like, Oh, hey, Kevin, you're so cool. I'm a huge fan. But like the moment I got to him, and he was signing. I'm like, Oh, God, I don't know what to say. I'm literally looking at Batman right now. <laughs> <laughs> just do the Batman voice, do the Batman voice, like, like nobody else has asked them to do that, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see here we adrian perez hello everyone hope you're doing well this week i got to check out wandavision on D disney plus right before i went to see multiverse of madness and i really really enjoyed it elizabeth olsen was terrific as wanda as always i love the whole sitcom kind of feel at times the show reminded me of dc's legends of tomorrow i miss that this series made a huge segue for dr strange multiverse of madness this series really helped prepare me for the movie and i'm so glad i watched it first before the movie. I highly recommend WandaVision for anyone who loves sitcoms, um, unique superhero take, and what and want to get into Disney series for the first time. Nine out of ten. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny, Stuart. When WandaVision came out, I think we all, I think we I don't want to say we all loved it, but I think um people that enjoyed the sitcom aspect of it and them being unique in how they presented the story really enjoyed it. And yet somehow for me, it's not like my top tier MCU series for some reason. I mean, maybe like it's number, it actually might be like my, my third favorite um, so far now that I come to think about it. But um, it is one of those things where for me, at least going to see multiverse of madness uh, and what they did with Elizabeth Olsen, I, I thought she was a star already in WandaVision, but it, it really just catapulted um, her character, Scarlet Witch to the Moon, for me as a very important character in the MCU. So um, I, I will say this, Adrian, I think you did a, yourself a service by checking out WandaVision first and then uh, Doctor Strange 2 for sure. But what do you think, Stuart? Um, yeah, I definitely, I, I, I'd say it's not like required viewing because they do kind of explain it in Doctor Strange 2, but I definitely recommend watching it before uh, seeing Doctor Strange 2 because there's, it's a different thing to feel than it is to just simply know. Absolutely. Um, 
And yeah, I would say that WandaVision was probably my uh, second favorite of the Disney Marvel shows. Like, I can't, I can't fully decide what I like better between Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Although right now, Miss Marvel is definitely topping both of them. I think so. I think like between those two is hard to say which one I like more. But obviously, I I still think my number one Marvel show though is going to stay as Daredevil. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to sit down and and rank what I've enjoyed. I maybe we should do a video of that. Maybe I should. Ooh. Maybe we should do like a ranking of MCU Phase Four films and a ranking of Phase Four series. We could do like uh, a tier list. Yeah, we could do a tier list too. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, uh, is it all right if I dip out after this last question? Yes, sir. Uh, here we go. We, we don't have that many left, so I can answer these last two. Uh, James Bond Legacy from good old Jack Daniels. What do you think of the overall James Bond franchise, and how crazy is it that Daniel Craig had stayed on as 007 for almost two decades? Would you like to be Who would you like to be cast as the next Bond, and do you think the franchise should keep going or retire? Um, I don't think the 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 franchise needs to retire anytime soon. I think that as long as you can tell like fun original movies that just happen to star this uh, James Bond fella, I think uh, we're in for you know. I think the the franchise can keep going as long as it needs to. Um, if the entire franchise was focusing on one story that was being drug out like forever, then I would say let it die. But in this particular case, because every movie standalone, every movie. T- uh, tends to be like very self-contained i'm okay with them keeping this franchise going for as uh, long as they want yeah i'm very much in agreement with you um we kind of talked about casting last week are we both in agreement for uh, idris elba and what i can't remember anybody else we threw out there uh for me it was idris elba michael fassbender john That's boyega me. um uh why, why do i keep forgetting his name xavier from x-men first class uh james mcavoy and then oh. um I had a fifth person, but I completely forgot who it was. Yeah, I was a big fan of the uh, John Boyega pick. And you, you were like, yeah, you, I think that was your suggestion. Adam. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. But <laughs> Michael Fassbender and, and John Boyega, I would definitely be open for also. Um, and then, yeah, um, last question, Doomsday. Even though Captain America 4 has Sam Wilson as the lead instead of Steve Rogers, do you consider Captain America superhero himself to be the second Avenger to have a fourth solo movie? Do you still consider that? Uh, probably a- not, because it may be the same. Uh, I don't know, man. It depends on how you look at Captain America. If you look at Captain America as like kind of like an like an entity that people like like that gets passed down, then yeah, and that kind of way i guess you could say it is the fourth Captain America. Yeah. But if you're looking at it like the character, like the person behind the suit, I don't know. That's a good one, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would like. I can see, like, hey, let's say we get a Thor five, right? And Chris Hemsworth is there. Like, if we get a Thor six, but it's a focus on Mighty Thor, would you consider that still part of the Thor movies, or is that separate now? I still see it. I still see it as one. Like, I, I think it's more a mantle, um, mm. than a person. So for me, I would say, yes, I do see Captain America as the second person they get four solo films. That would yep. be my stance. But yeah, we can all, all be different. But all right. I think that actually answers all the questions, Stuart. So I think we got through all of them. So thank you very much, guys, for certainly coming through with all your questions, each and every one of you. Um, And again, going forward, guys, I probably will put up maybe two or three 
A plus uh, things on our community tab. So remember, going forward into the future, uh, one question per person. But if you do want to submit any live viewer questions, um, I will go ahead and begin posting on fr on Wednesday, and I will post again on Saturday. I'll make it. I'll make those two days, Wednesday and Saturdays, uh, on the community tab. We will go ahead and post up for live viewer questions. So if you guys do have any. Feel free to submit them over again. Go to our YouTube page, our main channel page, click on the community tab, and on Wednesdays and Saturdays, uh, there will be a tab for live viewer questions to submit your question. So definitely go ahead and check it out. Uh, Stuart, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? You guys can find me uh, at TurboStew01 over on Twitter. Awesome, brother. Thank you very much for certainly coming through today. Uh, and guys, if anything, we certainly will be back next weekend for you guys uh, for a brand new episode. Um, and uh, we'll definitely see you then. But until then, we also got a Miss Marvel uh, review, I think, dropping for you guys later on this week. Uh, and we're definitely preparing ourselves for San Diego Comic-Con. And we'll also keep you up to date on when we drop our Thor spoiler discussion. So certainly stay tuned for that. But other than that, guys, that's going to do it for us here. If you want to follow us on social media, right up here at A Plus Opinions. Very active over on Twitter. Very active over on Instagram, as well as our main page, which is our Facebook page. So definitely go ahead and like us over there. And until next time, do us a big favor. As always, guys, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other and keep it A+. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.